The views and opinions of today's broadcast is not necessarily the views or opinions of the TJRS Radio Network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Ryle Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you so much for the introduction, and good Sunday morning to you. Today is June 6, 2021, and here are the topics that we will discuss right here on the serious side. Former President Donald Trump blocked from Facebook for at least two years. The social media giant tying the ban to Trump's role in the deadly riot at the Capitol on January 6. You know, President Trump and I have spoken many times since we left office. And I don't know if we'll ever see eye to eye on that day. Tonight in Texas, getting hands on a handgun about to become even easier. Lawmakers in Austin passing House Bill 1927, allowing anyone 21 and up who is legally allowed to buy a handgun. This is something where big tech has amassed a massive amount of power. They are monopolies. They're monopolies that are much more powerful than the monopolies of the early 20th century. And they're using their power uh, to enforce orthodoxy and to suppress speech and candidates that they disagree with. Do you ever notice when uh, he had a hard time going up the stairs of the plane? Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks. The news didn't cover it. Not one network covered it. Now, when I made the best speech I've ever made, they said it was at West Point. And it was pouring, and I had a ramp that was an ice skating rink, and I called, I said to the general, I said, General, I may have to grab you, because the last thing I'm doing is going down. So I walked gingerly down. That was on every newscast in the world, and I never went down. I never went on my ass, I'll tell you. I wasn't going to fall. I think that was a booby trap. I think, I'll never forget that ramp. That was like a sheet of ice. It was cold, rainy, and that ramp was long and steep. I said, General, I might have to grab you, but I'm not going down under. And unfortunately, I wasn't wearing American shoes. I had Italian shoes, nice leather. Leather. It's like an ice skating rink. Online radio at its best. Good morning, Lord. Today's a new day. A chance for a new start. Yesterday is gone. And with it, any regrets, mistakes, or failures, I may have experienced. It's a good day to be glad. And give thanks. And I do, Lord. Thank you for today. A new opportunity to love, give, and be all that you want me to be. (laughs) 
Welcome in 347-850-1272. It is the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. Right here on a beautiful Sunday morning. I hope the sun is shining bright where you are. Of course, I'm never here by myself. I'm here with Mr. Nessa, who hangs out with Trump folks. The brother with the smooth voice from the Carolinas, is the one and only Mr. Johnny D. And the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S, the man who gets the first and last word. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. What's going on, Vanessa? How are you doing on this beautiful Sunday? I'm doing well, Jay. So glad to be back on the board with everybody this morning. How awesome is that? It's an awesome thing when all of us can get together and break bread and talk about nonsense for the next two hours, right? <laughs> What's going on? That's What's going on? Hey, you know what? But it has to be done. Someone has to do it. What's going on, John? How you doing, man? You know, I am, I am truly blessed, and I share the same sentiments as Miss Vanessa. Uh, but first and foremost, let me take me 30 seconds, Jay, to wish Miss Vanessa, Mr. Les, yourself, Jerome, uh, and Dr. Williams, and all those individuals that allow us an opportunity to come into their homes. Uh, I'm excited. Like I said, it seems like it's been, you know, a month or so since I've been <laughs> with the crew this morning. So um I've got a lot to say, so ding, 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 let's get it on. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is that it's interesting, you know, when we don't have a show on Sunday, we didn't have one last Sunday because of, you know, whatever. Uh, it's like, it's like, man, what do I do with myself? I, I have to be telling somebody something. So you're right. When you're away from the platform, when you're away from the show, it uh, seems like, uh, you know, we're missing out on an opportunity. Mr. Elias, man, what's going on this morning, brother? Well, good morning, good morning, good morning to you and one good morning, Nessa, one good morning, uh, Kathleen, one good morning, Mariana Music, one good morning, Momo B, one good morning, good sister, good morning, my brother Hawkins, good morning, my brother Jerome. The number is 347 You can be a part of the conversation. World Famous Chat Room should be open. We are monitoring all social media outlets. And so we are at full throttle. All hands are on deck. And we are ready to rumble. Like we always do, we take a few minutes of personal privilege just to kind of catch up amongst ourselves. So, you know, Mr. Elias, uh, I am actually in Gary, Indiana, broadcasting yeah. the show this morning. Uh, and uh, I'm in town here to see my beautiful mother. That's right. I'm here to see my mom. I'm hanging out with my mommy, mm-hmm. having a great time with her. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I'm also in town to, uh, you know, honor the, we honored a legend, Mr. Elias, this past week, uh, Renardo Thomas. Now, if you're not familiar with who he is, there are people in Houston who knows who he is. And, uh, of course, he is a native son of Gary, Indiana. He was a member of the 1982 state runner-up Roosevelt Panthers championship team. Uh, he was a member of uh, the Houston Five uh, Slamma Jamma. You know, man, he died last week uh, due to complications of uh, f- from diabetes and from uh, he was on dialysis. Mr. Elias, man, I tell you what, it was it was tough, man. But uh, oh, not naughty, which is the nickname we give him that he has. Uh, he's gone home, bro, and uh, you know. Give me your words on yeah, it. Yeah, that's well. You know what, man? We, you know, growing up with uh, with, with Nardi here, man, it, it was a different, it was a different time, different era. I remember us hanging out with him at my brother's house, partying, and we had yep. a party. Wherever, wherever yeah. Nardi was, there was a party, man. We had a great time too, man. 
You know, and the, the brother was, man, he was, he was, um, he believed in Gary, Indiana. That's all I can say about that. He believed in his hometown. Yeah. He believed in promoting his hometown. And he loved Gary, Indiana, man. And he was a great, great person. So, you know, yeah. shout out to Ronaldo Thomas. Ronaldo Sky, Captain Sky Thomas. And Captain Sky. He's going to be well missed. He's going to be missed. Well yeah. Missed. yeah. I don't think people understand. This guy was a bona fide superstar in Gary, Indiana. A bona fide superstar. And uh, yeah. and so he was supposed to go to the University of uh, of San Francisco once he graduated, but Quentin Daly and those boys blew that whole thing up by doing that illegal stuff, <laughs> and so they get discontinued the basketball program. And that's how he ended up in Houston. So wow, uh, rest in peace, rest in power, Cap Captain Scott. So uh, John, man, what's wrong with your state, man? What's wrong with those crazy people in North Carolina, man? What's happening? <laughs> You know, we are an inclusive state, so we we, we welcome every vagabond and every <laughs> reprobate uh, that desires to come into the state. Uh, it, it really is a, a, a sad form and venue and a sad day uh, when you let a has-been continue to uh, tell lies and you cheer and uh, seek to support uh, as one of our senatorial candidate for Richard's Bird vacancy is doing. So, again, just shameful, man. It is a shameful thing. You're right, and we're going to talk about that a little later in the show. Vanessa, we missed you at the graduation party. We was hoping you would show up, but you were out doing your camping thing. What's happening with you? What have you been up to since the last time we all congregated? Uh, not much. Um, our family always okay. tries to get together. <laughs> What he say? You just, well, family, you just I, said nothing much. Nothing much. Our family tried to get together on Memorial Day and Labor Day, and some rent ca- uh, cabins and some rent hotels in the area. Some sleep in tents, and Bobby and I have the travel trailer. So it's just that's just what we try to do on those two particular holidays. Um, other than that, I haven't been doing anything. I've been, you know, churches is church and. I kind of slacked out Bible study, but I think God going to get me for that. So I'm going to have to go back and start paying attention more to Bible study. But other than that, um, God is just good, and life is okay. So, hey. Hey, now. I like I that. You know what? Girl, though, I've been seeing her. Yeah, yeah, that girl is, uh, she's, uh, I don't know who, what the heck's going on with her. She's in Atlanta, from what I'm being told. personality. So, uh, Leave her alone. I'm gonna Y'all leave her alone. You know that. Of personality. <laughs> yeah, she's a yeah, she's a one of a kind. Absolutely, there she is in Atlanta. Not sure what she's doing, but it's the black people's capital of the United States of America. So I guess she should go home every now and then, right? <laughs> All right, listen, uh, we're gonna step out, and take a break. It's time to get into the show. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Ross show. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. Former President Donald Trump returned to the campaign trail last night, speaking to delegates at the North Carolina Republican Party's annual convention in Greenville. Blue Ridge Public Radio's Corey Valancourt was there. It's been a while since the world heard from former President Donald Trump, but at a speech in North Carolina on June 5th, he sounded a lot like President Donald Trump. We know the radical left will stop at nothing in their efforts to destroy the America we love. But with the help of righteous American patriots like all of you in this room, 
they will fail. Our movement is far from over. In fact, it is just getting started. But some of the biggest news of the night wasn't about Trump himself. North Carolina native and Fox News personality Laura Trump said she wouldn't seek the U.S. Senate seat held by the retiring Richard Burr, and Donald Trump said he'd endorse Congressman Ted Budd in the race. For NPR News, I'm Corey Valencourt in Greenville. Trump also advanced the false claims he's been making about the 2020 election he lost and urged Republicans to support candidates loyal to him in next year's midterm elections. Groups that advocate for an end to global poverty are criticizing the landmark deal struck by the G7 finance ministers to make the digital giants and other multinational companies pay more tax overseas. Here's Vicki Barker reporting from London. Critics argue that the agreed 15% global minimum corporate tax rate, which is lower than the 21% Joe Biden proposed, is far too low to make a difference. Some note the wording of the agreement leaves open potential loopholes many companies will be able to exploit and will favor the wealthy countries where most of these companies are headquartered. And they say the agreement would fail to shut down tax havens. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is calling the agreement historic and says it would ensure fairness for the middle class and working people around the world. Voters in Mexico and Peru are going to the polls today. Peruvians choosing a new president in a runoff election in Mexico. The runoff to the midterm elections has been marked by violence. And Pierre's Kerry Khan reports 36 candidates have been killed, including one this weekend. The latest killing was Friday night when mayoral candidate René Tovar in the Gulf state of Veracruz was shot to death at his home by unknown gunmen. Throughout the weekend, other attacks on candidates continued, including the kidnapping of a political party leader in Sinaloa State. Most of the violence is being blamed on drug trafficking and organized crime gangs, but also local feuds between political rivals vying for power. It's estimated that Mexico's crime gangs have exploded to more than 200 operating now. The number of political contests this year is also at record levels. All 500 seats in the lower house of Congress are up for grabs, as well as more than 2,000 mayoral contests and local state posts. You're listening to NPR News. We got the spirit. We're hot. We can't be stopped. We're going to beat them and bust them. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Online radio at its best. Former President Donald Trump blocked from Facebook for at least two years. The social media giant tying the ban to Trump's role in the deadly riot at the Capitol on January 6th, saying, we believe his actions constituted a severe violation of our rules. The decision will keep Mr. Trump off Facebook and Instagram through the midterm elections. Facebook deeming the two-year sanction long enough to allow a safe period of time after the acts of incitement. Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's the serious side of the J Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio. 
At its best, Facebook said on Friday that Donald Trump's suspension from the service would last at least two years, keeping the former president off mainstream social media for the 2022 midterm elections. As the company also said that it would end a policy treating posts from politicians differently from those of other users. The social network said Mr. Trump will be eligible for reinstatement in January of 2023 before the next presidential election, and it will then look to experts to decide whether the risk to the public safety has been receded. Uh, that's what we're going to start this morning. <laughs> Mr. LDS, man, I guess for me, when we, I, I, I don't know, man, it, Facebook, two-year suspension. Now, this is a guy that supposedly is one of the richest men in the world. He set up a blog on his uh, website, which he shut down because no one was going there. So when you think uh-huh. about Facebook's, uh, what they're doing in regards to suspending the former president, what, okay, the statement pretty much says exactly what they're trying to accomplish. But why not just go ahead and do what Twitter did, just kick them off permanently? Why, why play these two-year and three-year games? What's the strategy here with Facebook instead of just eliminating this guy, period? Well, you know, we're talking about Facebook once again. Facebook is mean? playing the game. Well, Facebook is playing the game to to uh, to say, okay, stay tuned to keep people interested. It's like a cliffhanger. Like we say, we'll say something like, okay, this is what we got coming up next, so you keep tuning in. That's what people are doing to tune in and see if they're going to let them back on, man. But, but, but you know, why would Facebook – so in other words, you're saying that Facebook is doing this to have some type of – for people to come in and be intrigued with Facebook. Facebook, man, is a billion, billion, billion – they make billions of dollars. You know what I mean? And a lot of people are getting disenchanted with Facebook right now because they don't want to lose the Trump supporters too. They don't, come on, let's just be honest. They don't want to lose the Trump supporters. And if they just they've already lost them. them. Okay, if you say so. So, because I haven't they seen them anywhere, I I still see them posting stuff about Trump constantly on there. I don't know, Vanessa, do you still see them posting stuff about Trump on there? Yeah, let's ask her because she knows. Yeah. I I just can y'all hear me? Because I'm moving around. Yes. Yes. Okay. I just saw a post, and a lot of it comes across my Twitter page, but on Facebook, I just saw. A post where somebody said that Trump told them that he was going to be back in August in office by August, mm-hmm. and I just yeah. saw it and bust out laughing. I'm like, "You clowns still believe this?" So they, I mean, they died down, but they out there, baby. Them yeah, they're not going people nowhere. Are out there. I, well, I guess I misspoke. What what I meant by that, Miss Delias, was that okay by them permanently suspending Donald Trump. You know, listen, the damage has already been done. I mean, he's gone for two years. So whoever is going to leave, they've already left. And so the folks that are there, they're not going anywhere because they need that social media platform. See, Donald Trump thought that he would be able to go and set up his own thing. He thought he was so big, Trump TV, here's my website, come and hang out with me. I don't need Facebook. I don't need Twitter. Now he realizes Oh, I do need Facebook, and I do need Twitter. And now, and when he set up his website with his blog, he noticed that no one is coming to that thing. So they shut it down. So yep. I, I, guess, I, I guess I don't understand 
why Facebook keeps, you know, maybe you can explain it, Vanessa. Why does Facebook just, why don't they just kick them off, period? Just ban, just get, look, they're a private company. But, Jay, Mark Zuckerberg is a Republican, Jay. Now, He's not going to do that. He, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg is a Republican, so he has not really? said that he has donated money to mm-hmm. uh, Donald Trump's campaign. He wow. is going to drag on the Republican people for as long as he can drag them on. He is going mm-hmm. to bring Trump back on right before election time because they're trying to get Trump to run for the Speaker of the House or something I heard on Facebook. So they're That's trying nice. to find a spot for him somewhere in the political rim. And Facebook is not going to just put him down, Jay, because people put money in on campaigns, and they charge a fee for that. So they need Facebook. And Mark Zuckerberg doesn't want to be outed for telling Trump, you can't ever come back on my Facebook page. He doesn't want to be outed. Outed? I mean, outed from what? They're not going to, I mean, he's not going to lose his company. I mean, I guess you're saying maybe regulations. There's a lot of advertisement, Jay. Jay. Yeah. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. advertisement. When you're sitting on Facebook and you're reading and you're scrolling, fair Mm -hmm. comes across there, uh, Amazon stuff, Amazon Prime Day. All of this stuff comes across, Jay, as advertisement. If you look on the right-hand side of your page, it is advertisement. So advertisement puts money in Zuckerberg's pocket. That's how he became a billionaire messing with this. So he's not going to cut off his face, his hands, with money messing with people. He's going to drag them along with Trump. Mm. Okay. It's just like the black well, people were saying, I'm not going to go to Chick-fil-A. I'm going to stop going to Hobby Lobby. I'm going to stop going to Home Depot. Remember when they were supporting Trump, all of these black people were saying, I'm going to stop going to these places. Don't think that white people won't stop shopping at those places. Okay, that's fair it's enough. But, but, Johnny, I, I, but, but, but then that makes Facebook, Facebook is similar to the Republican Party. I mean, you're following a loser. I don't see why. You know, those those companies that that Vanessa named, they're going to continue to to, to uh, advertise on Facebook because Facebook has you know worldwide reach. They have, you know, I don't know how many people are on Facebook. I, I I'm thinking there's probably a billion users on that damn thing, but I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, I don't think they're going anywhere because they're all about making money. And if they're going to jeopardize their marketing arm for a failed has been loser president, then they are just as ridiculous as the governor, as the uh, GOP. Have three minutes left, man. What say you? I would certainly uh, share the same sentiments as both both Miss Vanessa and and, and Les. And uh, real quickly, whenever you have these right wing alternative uh, social media sites, Gab, the MeWe's, and all of that, he's gonna always have a platform. Uh, is it about money? Is it about um, entertainment value? It certainly is. You know, uh, I think we talked about it, uh, you know, maybe a month or so ago, where the news cycle has now become normal. So there's probably not those individuals sitting in front of the television waiting to see what this what this uh, person will be doing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is. It's, it's about selling advertisements. Uh, this guy sells advertisements, so 
the the lifetime ban uh I'm not going to say if it's appropriate or not. I will say this here as a as a leader of a company, you have a right to be able to dictate the terms of the agreement. So whether it's two years, one year, six months, it really doesn't make a difference. Until America starts turning off that negative message, then he's going to always have a platform, whether he does it on his own social media site, does it on a newsreel, appear in front of, you know, 10,000 people coughing on each other, screaming that they're patriots and they are unpatriotic. He's going to always have a venue, always have a forum. But at some point, his name will not matter. And, um, you know, what we got to do is just prepare ourselves for the for the, for the 2022 and put some candidates out there that's got some real substance to them and not just bank on the fact that, uh, that the, the, the January 6th uh, uh, coup and, and, and insurrection will will get the Democratic Party through. You got to have some substance to your topics. But yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not in opposition of uh, the two year ban, the six month ban, or whatever. I think you got the right to do whatever you want to do. Interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna push you a little bit on something that you said here, so I'm gonna mark that down because uh, we have to step out. But I definitely want to. You said something that I thought was interesting, and we'll definitely talk about it. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right. Uh, in this week's edition of in four minutes or less, something that you need to know. Farmers of color are set to get some unprecedented debt relief starting this month from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The latest federal COVID aid package includes an estimated $4 billion for the USDA to wipe away these farmers' debts. It's an unprecedented congressional mandate to make up for the damage that decades of lending discrimination has had on farmers of color. The distrust runs so deep that the department has been dubbed the last plantation. You know what time it is. It's convenient time. Four minutes or less, something that you need to know. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. The massive COVID relief package includes billions for the U.S. Department of Agriculture to wipe away the debt of farmers of color. But these farmers have been promised relief before to make up for decades of discrimination, and many are skeptical that this time will be different, as as Emma Hurt of member station WABE in Atlanta reports. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack is in Fort Valley, Georgia, on a sunny Saturday morning trying to convince a group of black farmers to trust his department again. No surprise here. I'm a white guy from the Midwest, and I'm hot. So if you don't mind, I'm going to take my coat off. Is that all right? Vilsack lays out the details of an estimated $4 billion in debt forgiveness for farmers of color, which he says will begin this month. His trip and the relief are a big deal, an acknowledgement of long-standing discrimination at his own agency's hands. When people do not have full access to the broad array of services and benefits at the Department of Agriculture, they are then at a, a severe disadvantage. White farmers obviously had the full advantage. They had all the programs, and so they had a chance to grow, to expand. As a result, over the years, the skepticism of the USDA has deepened, and it affects how some farmers view this latest relief package. It's like the fox watching the hen house. John Boyd is president of the National Black Farmers Association. He's a Virginia farmer who became an advocate decades ago after facing loan discrimination himself. Just about every eight and a half to nine years, something happens to this issue. 
and I don't have many more eight and a half or nine years left in my span here to get some, some real significant change in place so that we can save the next generation of black farmers. Report after government report has documented how little government help black farmers have received, all while they've lost millions of acres of farmland. Lloyd Wright ran the Civil Rights Division of the USDA in the 90s. He was hired to deal with a backlog of discrimination complaints that the department, he says, had basically ignored for years. He understands why farmers are skeptical of the government's new promise. When farmers tell you they're not sure yet, well, if you'd gone through the history for the last 150 years, you wouldn't be here. In 1999, black farmers won the largest civil rights class action settlement in U.S. history for discrimination by the department. But thousands of claims were denied because they didn't meet certain conditions, and nearly 60,000 were rejected for being late. Wright calls the case, known as Pigford, a disappointment. Black farmers have a very, very, very negative opinion of it because the outcome was not in the best interest of black farmers. To address those late claims, in 2011, the Obama administration and then Ag Secretary Vilsack allocated another billion dollars for a second settlement. But there were accusations of non-farmers winning claims, all while farmers who'd already been denied, like Lucius Abrams from Keysville, Georgia, were blocked from applying. Any bump in the road, I know it. I've been there. Weeks before Vilsack's trip, Abrams spoke to a group of fellow Georgia farmers at an event organized by Senator Raphael Warnock. Abrams has been appealing his denial for decades without success, accumulating more debt, and fighting foreclosure along the way. I want to ask you a question. If you go stick your hand on a hose and a rattlesnake bite it the first time, and you go back there the second time and stick your hand in the hose, you bite it the second time, what you think you do the third time? Secretary Vilsack vows this time is different. The process is simpler and without conditions. It's not the beginning and end with our announcement today. It's the beginning of a beginning. Ironically, fewer than 10% of farmers of color could qualify for this because most don't get their loans from the government. Many don't try after the horror stories. The department is committed to changing that status quo, but it won't happen overnight, says Dwayne Goldman, a black farmer from Arkansas and the USDA's new racial equity advisor. This is not a speedboat that we're changing direction. This is a huge barge in the slow-moving stream that's going to take some time to change course. There's been pushback on this money. Several white farmers have sued the department, calling the relief discrimination against them. Secretary Vilsack's response? To a white farmer who thinks that, gosh, somebody's getting something I'm not getting. Now maybe, maybe you might feel some sympathy for the folks for the last hundred years who've had to feel that way. Less than one-tenth of one percent of last year's COVID relief for farmers went to farmers of color. For NPR News, I'm Emma Hurt in Fort Valley, Georgia. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. January 6th was a dark day in the history of the United States Capitol. In his most extensive comments since rioters openly called for his execution and forced his evacuation from the Senate chamber during the electoral count, 
Former Vice President Mike Pence offered a stunning admission during a Republican dinner in New Hampshire. You know, President Trump and I have spoken many times since we left office. And I don't know if we'll ever see eye to eye on that day. Then President Trump slammed his vice president for a lack of courage for refusing to overturn the results of the election. The objection is not sustained. And while he didn't immediately weigh in on Mr. Pence's latest comment, the former president is set to deliver his own speech Saturday at a GOP convention in North Carolina. This weekend marks five months since the Capitol attack. Federal prosecutors say at least 465 people have been arrested. The damage of the Capitol estimated at $1.5 million. Of the approximately 140 officers who were injured, CBS News has learned at least 17 remain out of work due to injuries sustained during the riot, which killed five people, including U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. His mother, Gladys, is still in mourning. I just can't believe I have a son that's going to be in the history books. Who knew? To get into like this, to get into a history book like this, but it's not right. She's still pushing for a January 6th commission, even though the Senate rejected it last month. Meantime, a joint Senate panel that has been investigating the attack is expected to issue its first report next week. Welcome back in. 32 minutes after the hour, you're listening to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here uh, on the TGRS Radio Network. Online radio at its best. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the number you can get. Right. Man, just think yes, Vanessa. Say for just a second that thank you so much for uh, investigating and taking the time to report on the black farmers and keeping us up on how they are uh, getting this situation rectified where black soldiers, uh, black farmers are being treated differently from, from uh, white farmers, and that they did decide to go in and give them some money and to make up time. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for all of that because those people sometimes get lost, you know, in the shuffle. So thank you for reporting on them. Thank you so much. And we definitely, we, we did actually, we did a, uh, I think a six-part series on black farmers earlier. Uh, well, last year. That's what year, I was so. speaking about. Yeah. Thank you for taking yeah. the time to do that. I want to make sure that people are aware of what's going on. And the fact that white farmers are saying that we're being discriminated against is just a n- bunch of nonsense. It just makes me just sick. All right. After the violent mob chanted, hang Mike Pence during the insurrection that took place at the Capitol on January 6th, Mike Pence has spoken out about the riot, saying that Trump deserves praise for his leadership. His comments came amid a new push from progressives telling Biden to stop waiting for the GOP to act as a conventional negotiating partner. Let's pick up right there. I I, I mean, when you listen to some of this stuff, and I'm going to start off with you, Vanessa, since since we are already engaged in a little bit of a back and forth. When you listen to... Mike Pence say that Donald Trump's leadership. Think about this for a second. Let me just flip this around because I believe in keeping things kiss. Keep it simple, stupid for some, but sexy for people like me. I digress, but listen. <laughs> okay. All right. So think about this for a second. Your boss <laughs> ordered a mob of people to go to the, to your workplace, and they stand outside and say, hey. We're going to take you and hang you. We're going to shoot you and kill you. And then when you get an opportunity to speak to someone 
the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, hey, my boss, I want to praise that person for their leadership. <laughs> I mean, you, you have to look at this stuff and say, am I living in a winter wonderland? Am I living in Cuckooville? Uh, is this Dr. Seuss? Am I living in living in who? I mean, what is going on with these people who are supposed to be educated? He stands in front of a mic with a straight face, Vanessa, and says, "Oh, we want to praise him for his leadership, but we'll never see eye to eye on what happened January 6th. Really, Mike Pence? Floor is yours, Vanessa. Wow. Mike Pence really. Mike Pence really wants to tell him to kiss his booty, but he's got to kiss his butt. Is what he's got to do. He really wow. does. Wow. I mean, he he's not running for office anymore. Trump out. He wants to yeah, cut you... Trump out and be done with Trump, but he can't because Trump's people are so. I mean, in order for Pence to try to run for president the next go round, he needs the Trumpkins. He needs the Trumpsters. So he's I agree. going to kiss Trump's behind a little bit, even though he wants to kick him in his behind, but telling them people, you know, go find Mike Pence because he didn't do what I wanted him to do. And if they had found Mike Pence and his wife and his child, they were going to hurt them. And Mike Pence is not crazy. And being a wife and a mother, let me tell you, Mike Pence's wife is cussing Trump out as we speak right now. She's still cussing about Trump because her life was on the line. Her daughter's life was on the line. So, you know, he's just doing it because he's trying to get to be president. He's kissing, excuse me, y'all, he's kissing whatever ass he needs to kiss in order to get to that point to get the Trump vote. I see what he's doing. I actually even understand what he's doing. I, mean, I don't. I, I think it's you crazy. You got to be a man. But you know what I agree with both of no, 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 wait. All of them are still kissing Trump's butt. All of those Republicans yeah. are still yeah. doing it. They know Biden won the election. They're still saying that Biden cheated. So I'm yeah. just saying, y'all, all of them are following down that little trail. It's not just it. All of them. When I yeah. go out places and me and Bobby are driving and going through, Bobby laughs. He said, they still got them damn signs up. Take them signs down. They still got the signs up, y'all. When you go yeah. to the country yeah. towns, they still got the signs up. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I agree with both of you guys on that. Uh, this is uh, We have two minutes left in this segment. Let's uh, bring in the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree, that brings you on it every it brings you every week on a need-to-know basis. Man, Jerome, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. How you doing? Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Jerome. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you my friend. All right. Um, maybe you can explain why people like Mike Pence continues too. And I agree with Mr. Mr. Elias and Vanessa. I think that he's trying, Vanessa says, he's trying to keep that base just within arm reach because he's thinking about running for president. And But I also agree with Mr. Elias, you got to be a man. You know, but Terry Crews, somebody, when somebody calls your wife an ugly buff, bufferilla and you still kiss his tail, I mean, where are these men with their spines? What say you, draw? You know, I, I don't think it's a, um, a political reason why Mike Pence is doing this. I think that he, I think he is truly like, he is truly racist. He that's his crew, that's his people. He can't leave them. Like, where is he going to go? And I don't think it's a political reason why. Like, you would think it was for power, but he 
he didn't have no power, you know, during Trump. It was an illusion of power, right, because the vice president only has the power that the president gives him. And then at that time, Trump wasn't going to give him jack. So he, he had no power. It was just entitled. He had the prestige of being vice president. And so I think of Pence as a pot, a P-O-T, like a prisoner of Trump, right, instead of a P-O-W. <laughs> and what happened is that he was he is in this world that he – has like that um, Helsinki syndrome, like he loves his captors because that's the crew that he wants to love him. But it's not for a political, he's going to get no political benefit. There will be no political gain for Pence because Pence is, I would say he was smart enough to know that most of the country doesn't feel that way, but the people who love them, love them. So he don't care if it's just three people, but he's not going to go against that. That do need, that, that is truly um, feeling like you don't have no love at home, <laughs> right? You want them, you want those guys to love you. He needs a cult, you know? So Jim Jones, he is. And so, you know, or, or what's his name, Jerry Falwell or any of those guys, they had yeah. Joe Osteen, all of them. You know, there, there is something to be said about, you know, hanging up under Trump, even when you have a following, because cult leaders believe that they make law. So when you look at Paula White and all those guys, and it's like, why would they, they have all these black people listening to them. Why do they follow Trump? Or why are they friends with Trump? It's because if you're a cult leader, technically you are God, so you are law. Pence still wants that. So I don't think it's a political end or, or means for, for Pence. I think it's more of a ideology, ideological kind of construct and feeling like you're still a part of the racist crew that you adore, because he is You don't that. think he needs those Trump votes and the Trump people? I mean, we got racist people all day long over here in Texas that run for stuff. No doubt. But you don't believe that he needs the Trump people in order to get to the presidency? I don't think he believes that he can get to the presidency. That's, see, getting to the presidency is, you, look at the numbers. If you look at it, Trump lost to Hillary in numbers. The numbers are getting worse. So they lose to Biden in bigger numbers. Right? I don't care how much cheating you do. All, all white folks are not falling for this, by the way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You have to bring down your numbers. So let's just say, let's say a fourth of white folks, they got in the bag. But technically, you can't get over the hump to get more white folks to vote for you either by doing the, making the moves that they're making. So it's something yep. else. There's a different calculation in here. Because I yep. can't believe yep. that all of them are delusional, right? That, that would just be selling them short. They're not delusional. Yep. The problem is, is that realistically, there is nobody coming out of Trump camp that's going to be able to wrangle that many votes. Yep. It is getting worse. All right. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. All right. So uh, we got to get out of here. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. On the other side, we would definitely hear from Johnny D. Sorry about that. And also, Rich Sisters in the house are listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. America is starting to breathe again. A decent man as president. A plan to protect us. It feels almost normal. But it's not. 
Republicans still will not admit that President Biden was legally elected, which means they don't believe in democracy. They believe an election is only legitimate if they win. That's not democracy. Their plan? Pass voter suppression bills to block minorities from voting. Take back Congress. Impeach President Biden. We refuse. We refuse to accept the end of the American experiment. We refuse to allow anti-democratic autocrats to steal our country. We choose to fight. And we will not lose. Join us.
Online Radio at its best. This is something where big tech has amassed a massive amount of power. They are monopolies. They're monopolies that are much more powerful than the monopolies of the early 20th century. And they're using their power uh, to enforce orthodoxy and to suppress speech and candidates that they disagree with. The bill we did today, Sean, goes beyond just the political candidates. And people can find we have the whole rundown at rondesantis.com. But any Floridian who is deplatformed or censored would potentially have a right to sue big tech. We're making tech be transparent on their algorithms and on their terms of service and the criteria they use because they don't apply it fairly. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. It's uh, 10 before the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS radio network. Online radio at its best. The Florida law signed by Governor Ron DeSantis on Monday bars big social media companies from deplatforming candidates for state and local office. The law also bans the platform from taking actions to censor a journalistic enterprise, including fixing an addition to news entries posts, which some platforms do to flag content from base or biased sources. It exempts social media companies that also operate in theme parks. The news service of Florida reported a state legislator added that provision to make sure that Disney Plus wasn't subject to the law. Uh, I think we all can see through what's going on here with this particular legislation. Donald Trump's boy, Mr. DeSantis, this guy is a joke. All right, Johnny, let me start with you. But uh, before we do, let me bring in Jackie. Good morning, Jackie. Welcome to the Serious Sound. How are you? I'm doing well. How's everyone doing? Well, you're oh, sounding bright-eyed and, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. She has a very positive tone to her voice. Well, thank you, Jackie. And please hold. We want to definitely get your opinions on this. But let me go to Johnny since we're here from doing the last segment. John, um, you know, when this guy ran for governor, I don't know what that noise is. Let me see if I find it. When this guy ran for governor, right, he um, – <laughs> He had his baby playing with, you know, those little toy blocks that spelt out Trump. He had his little kid with a little Make America Great Again T-shirt on. He did not try to fool anyone. Everyone knew who he was for, and he continues to be this, I don't know, um, uh, fanboy of Donald Trump. What do you make of the fact (laughs) that they're putting laws in place to limit social media platforms from saying, hey, look, this content we consider is dangerous. It's not something they are, they are um, violating our policies, so we want to ban them. He puts a law in place that says that they can't. What say you, man? Right. Well, let, let, let me do this here, Jay, because I'm going to be real brief on this one here, and I'm going to sum it up in a couple of words. But I do want to go back, if, if, if I okay. might, uh, Absolutely. to, yeah. to uh, Mike Pence. Uh, yep. The sentiment shared by everyone, uh, he certainly needs a, a certain base. Uh, I think Mike Pence somewhat has a Dick Cheney-like like syndrome where – he felt hmm. like he was probably the brains of that office. So in, mm. if, if you undo the body of work that they claim that they did, then what you do is you unravel your importance and your significance. So you can't really run on a platform. So for him to sit there and tout 
Trump and his accomplishments, which we know were nothing. Uh, matter of fact, let's let's talk about his accomplishments. Uh, he 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 put us in debt. Um, he failed to build this wall that he talked about. Uh, he killed over a half million people. Um, he 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 also uh, lied unconstitutionally. Uh, he he saw and, and promoted. A, a coup while on his watch. So these are the accomplishments that really transpired under the watch. But if he gets out and, and, and he, he refutes any of that, then he has no platform to stand on in 2024. You know, if you think about the days of Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney was probably the most manipulative of all the vice presidents. And for some reason or another, I, I think Pence kind of saw himself in that same mold as the brain behind the face. But nevertheless, they did not have any accomplishments that he can tout. So if he knocks any of, of, of these, these so-called accomplishments down, then he's in bad shape. Now, for this deplatforming, um, once again, you've got Ron DeSantos, who is just a surrogate for Donald Trump, a do-boy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and to get up there and, and, and talk about deplatforming really means that this Constitution that they, you know, they, they, they talk about and tout so often with the Republican parties is really not uh, authentic. You know, now you have a, a small group of people who are going to be able to say whatever they want to say and get away with it. But now you, you're looking at the, the, the Black Lives Matters and, you know, the Antifas who they criminalize and, and, and prosecute because you can't say that message, but we can get out here and talk about, you know, white, white you know, white is right and all the rest of the stuff. So it's it's just it's comical to me. The extremism is what is is just becoming so polarized in America. It's just either you here or you there. It's, there's no moderation. There's no we're in the middle, and that right there is what's most troubling. Yeah, I agree with you. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You know, Jackie. Uh, this guy, Ron DeSantis, I, I hope he loses. I, I really do. I, and I don't know who the, the, the Democrats are going to put up against this guy, but but he's a joke. And, and he's the guy that downplayed the, 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 the coronavirus. Uh, this, this, the corona, listen to what my mind is. <laughs> uh, corona, it's like corona. But this guy, you know, COVID-19, this guy, he downplayed this whole thing. He, he's trying to now. He's going to war with the uh, the cruise industry uh, in his state. This guy is a class A clown. He is a fanboy. Between him and Matt Gates, I'm not sure who has their nose up Donald Trump's butt further than either. I mean, these two guys are really vying for who's the number one booty kisser amongst the two of them. What say you about what uh, Ron DeSantis is trying to do in Florida? Well, like like we've been saying, I mean, Trump got some on all of them, so they they just I, got some here. I don't believe that. I don't believe he has anything on none of them. I I think that they looked at the fact that seventy five million people voted for this guy, and that you know if we go against him, we may lose. We may get primary. We may lose our uh, seats. That's what I think. I I don't think he has nothing on anybody. Donald Trump wasn't a political player. Before he ran for office, he just gave money to people, but he wasn't. He don't have anything on these folks. Nothing. I don't think so. 
Oh, well, then, then they back him. They back him. They yeah. they believe just like him then, Jay. Yeah. They I believe mean, it's, just it's, like him. If you don't have nothing on them, they, then, then they believe just like him. Well, they don't. They believe like him. I don't know. Think. Well, Mr. Elias, what do you think? You think, they have, you think Donald Trump has something on these people, and this is the reason why they are just following this losing one-term the dumbest president that has ever graced the whites, and I'm not, I'm not even going to use the word grace because he didn't grace anything. You know, before you know, before he showed up, I bet you uh, uh, George W. Bush is saying, "Thank God this clown came around," because you know I was in the running for the dumbest president of all time. Now this guy has that mantle, hook, line, and sinker. What say you? Well, you know, some Jay, it, it, they're they're fighting for those votes, and see, as long as they got Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin there. Mm. And they don't pass that bill, that John Lewis bill. Guess what? They're 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 playing checkers, not chess. I mean, chess, not checkers, man. That's what they're doing. Mm. They're setting themselves up so that they can once they once they um, run for office and they they've gerrymandered all the districts and they voted suppressed all the votes, which our people won't get out and vote anyway. Uh, you know, so you know they're going to they're going to take over. And they're going to pass any law. They're, right now, they're testing the water to pass any law they want to pass, and there's nothing we can do about it because Cinema and Manchin won't stand up. And they know it. They know it. So that's what why is that? That's why they're backing Donald Trump. Why is that, Jerome? Why, why, why do you think Joe Manson and, and Christian Cinema? why do you think that they – why do you think they're doing what they're doing? Jerome? Was that for me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, kind of what I said earlier is that we keep, you know, having a different expectation and not understanding that what's inbred, like which is woven into the fabric of this doggone society, is supremacy and racism, right? Yeah. And so don't expect the Democrats not to have that in them too. So it's not very – not even a stretch to even understand that Kristen Sinema, um, although she may be liberal in some of her, um, you know, some of her, her beliefs, but that doesn't mean that she wants equity across the board. That doesn't mean that she doesn't think that she's superior to everybody else. That is the bigger problem that we're having society-wise. Like, we keep thinking that this stuff is negotiable, and this is regular politics where people used to hash it out. They were still racist under their core. You can go to anybody, Bernie Sanders, you can look at Joe Biden's policy, like all of those things when they were in Congress, and they sided with the people who were oppressing everybody else. Now, their reasons for doing it is, may, may vary, but the outcome is, is that it still continues to oppress all of us, right? We need to stop having such high expectations, especially for white folks, to even understand their impact on everybody else because if they're selfish, if they're being selfish, they're only looking at the world through them, their family, and their friends, right? You cannot understand that there's a cultural difference if you don't have any diversity in your life. So I don't think that those guys get it, and I'm not, you know, not saying that they couldn't get it or, or anything. I have no expectations of them. But I think that when we start making, you know, um, doing analysis from our side that we need to understand that there's a pathology playing in here, and we need to stop playing around with that. 
right? If they can't get it, they can't get it. So we need to figure out, okay, now what are we going to do when your when 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 your legislature or your your representatives don't get it? You might need to vote them out of office. You might need to get somebody else in there because there's no way that we can expect people who don't have the same life experience to know how they're impacting other people's lives. So that's where the arrogance and stuff kicks in. It's like, oh, I know what's best for the rest of y'all. It's like mm-hmm. watching Mitch well, McConnell. Mitch McConnell got to be the poster child of, I don't give a damn what y'all say, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> like, he's the poster child of that. <laughs> You're right about that. He don't give a dang on what's happening. He don't care. He's like, nope. look, my job is, look, we can't govern, but we sure know how to block. And so what we're going to do, we're going to be the party good of at resistance. It. Yeah, yep. good at it. And that's how they win elections. You're absolutely correct. Uh-huh, they do. I mean, they should get T-shirts and all wear them <laughs> together and say, hey, we are the party of obstructionists. Yep. I, have, I, have I have a minute left, and that's it's all yours. What say you? Uh, Vanessa, I'm trying to unmute here. my phone and my, I'm sorry, my phone is, you know, I'm dressed for church, so stop. I don't have anything to say about it. I just think they're all crazy. I'm listening to y'all, so I just agree with y'all. All right, well, that's good because we're going to need some conversation from you coming up in the next segment because it's dealing with the state that we live in. All right, 347-850-1272 is that call-in number. It is the serious side. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Oh, oh, what you do.
the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Online radio at its best. Back here, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's the serious side on a beautiful Sunday morning. We glad you guys are in the house, and of course. I am not here by myself. You know what's happening. The whole crew is in the place to be. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be here. Glad that you are here, sir. Uh, Jackie, what's happening? Good morning. How are you, ma'am? I am doing well. Hello to everyone out there. And everyone says hello back to you. The brother with the smooth voice from the Carolinas, the one and only Johnny D in the place to be. Good morning, John. How are you, sir? Good morning. Good morning. Glad, glad, glad to say, glad to be back. I know it feels good. It's like an old pair of shoes, my man. All right, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit is in the house. What's up, man? The much, man. What's up with Jack? Just another day in paradise, no palm trees, and the man who runs everything, who gets the first and last word, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. What's up, man? How are you? Uh, good morning to you and Juan. Good morning, Nessa Juan. Good morning, with Sister Juan. Good morning, Kathleen Juan. Good morning, Momo B. Good morning, my brother Harvey. Good morning, my brother Jerome and Mariana Music. Oh, a special good morning to you. And you know, that first song was by Mesa, and it was, you know, old Michael Jackson classic, uh, Lady in My Life. And the last song that we played was Changed My Mind by Maya Azuk, uh, 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 A-Z-U-C-E-N-A. <laughs> that, 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 that's the name. I, hey, look, there it is. You know, Elias, I was going to say something about that um, Michael Jackson remake, but I'm going to let that go. But I just was like, hey, hey, remake Michael Jackson? 
Jockey's your brother now. All right, so he didn't say anything. So he hasn't disagreed with you yet. No, Jockey, never never said nothing. He's your brother, man. I never said nothing about Yard Jockey. Yeah, okay. Yard Jockey. Just disagree with the one time that you're going to go on that expelled list. So watch yourself. All right, let's (laughs) say good morning to say good morning to Momo B. What's happening to Rob Smooth? Mr. Pimp himself is in the house. Also, the pastor's in the house. Marietta Music is in the place to be. We have a lot of folks down here that we need to say hello to. Uh, I'm just going to say hi, and we're just going to keep it moving. 347-850-1272. Glad you guys are in the house. We have a lot to get into, and we have a lot to talk about. Without any further ado, let's keep the party moving. Online radio at its best. Tonight in Texas, getting hands on a handgun about to become even easier. Lawmakers in Austin passing House Bill 1927, allowing anyone 21 and up who is legally allowed to buy a handgun. No license needed. Anything that allows our law-abiding citizens to protect themselves and their family is a good thing. Nationwide, similar handgun measures already exist in 20 states. In Texas, the law eliminates not only the license, but also the written test, training, and state background checks. Does this make your job harder? I think it does. Mike Mata is president of the Dallas Police Association. Supporters would say more good guys with guns makes your job even easier. Well, my answer to that is how do I know you're a good guy? Well, you might go to a scene and now you have three, four, five people that are openly carrying a firearm. The bill also turning attention to recent mass shootings. Just last month, a gunman opened fire in Bryan, Texas, using a handgun to kill one coworker and wound five others. And despite the bill's popularity at gun ranges like this one, statewide polls still have 58% of Texans opposed. Governor Greg Abbott says he'll sign the bill as soon as it hits his desk. Oh, my Lord. Wow, wow, wow. So Texas Republican leaders promised action on gun safety after the El Paso shootings. Instead, they passed a per, it's called a permitless carry. The legislator passed a bill allowing Texans to carry handguns without a license or training, an expansion of gun rights that was so divisive back in the day that some Republican leaders ran from it. Vanessa, let me start with you. I mean, what is going on around here? I mean, what is, is this the wild, wild west? What are we doing in Texas? People can now just carry a weapon. You don't need a permit. You don't need training. You can just go buy a gun, strap it to open carry. It's like... What is going on? We can do a whole show on what Texas is doing, but we just have to take it bits and pieces. But my goodness, we stay in the state, and what do you think this means for safety for people that live here? I mean, my God, what what are they doing? I, I am in such shock that he would sign that. And, and I know he's an asshole. We know that. <laughs> True. I'm not biting my tongue with this because I live here. Don't bite it. I agree. Our crime level in Houston has gotten to where it's almost looking like Chicago. I'm serious. And then we lost the police chief 
to Miami who was trying to get it under control. So I just think that Houston or Texas can go to hell in a handbasket. So we were out fishing and somebody pulled a boat and blocked all of us. And I cussed them out because we paid too much money for you to take a boat with your racist butt and block everybody's fishing. My brother-in-law ran inside the cabin. Vanessa, you don't get us killed out here because everybody can carry a gun. I wanted to call him a name, but I didn't. Uh, I did tell Bobby, though, that our gun that we have that put up needs to be cleaned. Uh, we need to go and take some shooting lessons. At the age of 65 and 59 almost, here we are fixing to have to do stuff to get ready to defend ourselves because everybody in their mama's daddy's uncle is going to be carrying a pistol in the state of Texas. And if you say anything, they might just pull out the gun and shoot you. So it's crazy. And I don't. And I just hope that somebody runs against him, Jay, because when the time comes, I'm they're going to be so I've, – I've lost so many people on Facebook. they really going to hate me when it's time to vote him out because he is putting our lives in jeopardy. And he's – nobody's – you could be a lunatic and go get a gun. You can have just come out the crazy hospital and go get a gun. He does not I, I, care. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get how reasonable people think that it. it's okay for everyone to, I mean, we're talking, we don't care if you're crazy. We don't care. You don't need training. You, I mean, you can just go buy a gun, strap it to your waist, Johnny, and you can hang out in Texas. Now, you're in the law enforcement uh, uh, business. I mean, what do you think about this, man? Just give me your perspective on the fact that you can now open carry. Well, not yet, but as soon as the bill gets on his desk, he's going to sign it. I mean, what is wrong with these people? It's it's some dangerous times. Now, I'm I'm, I'm familiar with with that whole concept. Back in the 90s, when I lived in uh, Phoenix, uh, it was open carry. So as long as you could see it, uh, you know, you you could carry your weapon. And it was just a different time. If you look at the the number of um, airline incidents, you know, people are just more volatile. over 200 uh, mass shootings already uh, recorded um, in six months into the year. So if you arm persons from a, from a law enforcement perspective, uh, it, it is more dangerous uh, because people are going to be more apt to express it. And, you know, you already have, you know, Undertrained officers uh, responding to incidents and overzealous officers responding to incidents, and it could very well become more complicated, more complex, and more deadlier simply because of those elements and components. You know that particular, you know, legislation, and then you couple that with the California legislation with um, unbanned AR-15s, and you've just got a complicated situation that's going on in, in, in the communities, in the streets of America. So, uh, you know, we got to pray and we got to set back and just kind of get through this wave because you're going to see more and more states follow suit, and it's going to be more and more dangerous out there in the communities, patrolling the communities, and, uh, you know, you're going to take a, a, a situation where somebody parks a vehicle, and next thing you know, you're going to have 
you know, 30, 40 people that's going to be out there bearing arms and shooting at one another. We're just in a real polarized time, and it's it's tough for law enforcement to have to, you know, withstand this. The NRA certainly is backing, you, you know, your Republican Party, and the, the governors are, are, are needing that support. You know, it's it's you know, everybody who's running out there talking about the Second Amendments are the same ones who are trying to restrict your voting rights. So the hypocrisy is just more than what uh, we can bear during this time. But guess what? We got to live through it. Yeah, you're right. We have to live through it. It's interesting. You know, Jerome, uh, let me get your thoughts on this, man. We're living in a world where now a governor has signed a bill, I mean, will sign a bill that will allow people to open carry handguns. What say you? Jerome? All right, what about you, Mr. Elias? Do you have anything to add to this? And, 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 and like Johnny said, the hypocrisy of it is that it's easier to get a handgun than it is to vote. <laughs> that's, that, that's what's gotten me. It's easy to get a handgun than it is to vote. They're passing laws so that you can't vote, but, hey, you can carry a gun, no problem. This is just ridiculous to me. I don't understand it, and I'm a gun advocate. I am. Don't get me wrong, but I also believe in gun laws. And you should have, if you are a law-abiding citizen, you should go through the right proper channels to get your guns and carry them, just like I did. It's just ridiculous. It's bad. You know, John talked. Well, John talked about in the 90s how he was in Arizona and they were allowed to uh, open carry. But but like you said, John, it's a whole different uh, it's just a whole different vibe now. Uh, Jackie, give me your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's I mean, ain't nothing else to say about that. It's utterly ridiculous. You like Vanessa already say you putting so many people's lives at risk. See, my my only thing I would ask, does that include black people? Because all this open carry stuff, (laughs) I'm just, is is there a fine line in the contract unless you're black? That's the only thing I'm I'm, I'm interested in. But otherwise, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Black gun ownership during the pandemic is up. It's up exponentially. So, yeah, black people are buying guns just like white folks now. Yeah, but I get what she's saying. You know, like, for example, when people talked about the insurrection, you know, how the police were poorly prepared for that. Had that been a mob of black folks, they'd have had the dang army out there with tanks pointing at them. So I I get what she's saying. At the end of the day, it's like all of a sudden you see all these black folks. I mean, this is dangerous. I mean, there's no way to look at this. Uh, as a positive, and I'm so tired of hearing this whole thing. Well, uh, the, the 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 best thing, uh, what is it? A bad man with a gun. The best thing is a good guy with a gun. Stop it! If this person is not properly trained, they can take that weapon from him and shoot him and shoot everybody within his general vicinity. It's a stupid law. Yeah. I cannot believe yeah. that people think this is okay. And 58 percent of Republicans think it's stupid too in Texas, but they don't care. They're just going to do what they want to do. <laughs> And of what course. they're not realizing is a lot of people are looking and saying, I'm not moving to Texas. People are crazy down there mm-hmm. with the laws that they're mm-hmm. putting in place, from voter suppression to, you know, the abortion thing that they have going on now. It's just something that you just have to say to yourself, what are they doing? What is 
Governor Greg Abbott thinking? Somebody just need to take that wheelchair and roll his behind off a platform and watch him fall. <laughs> wow. All I, all wow. I got to say is Georgia, Texas, off my list of moves, <laughs> Georgia, <Well>. Texas. <laughs> I get it. I, I understand it. You know, but Vanessa, I'm extremely worried about you because you hang out with uh, you hang out with these people, and you know the bottom line is that you find yourself in the woods or you know on a boat ramp, and then all of a sudden you're running into these crazies. Now they have the ability to carry guns, and I know that has to be a concern of yours. It is a big concern. Um, it's a big concern of me and Bobby, um, to the point where, I don't know, uh, we really are, we have already started watching, um, and now they have um, Facebook groups that are called Texas RB Black Campers, so we can do stuff in, as a group, so we can be together as a group. But I still like going to the places um I don't know. They don't very much so resort style with a travel trailer. But yeah, Bobby and I have already discussed getting the going. Uh, you know, we don't even pack our gun because we didn't have a license for it. But hell, if everybody else is going to be packing a gun and not have a license, then Bobby and I need to take. He's going to go buy another gun, and we're going to go to a gun ring. I'm going to take the small gun because I can handle it and. We're just going to go get some lessons and see what we've got to do, and that's on our agenda to get done before the end of the year. Because um, I only have a couple of more trips, about three or four more trips, in the travel trailer, then I'll be on the airplane the rest of the year. So I don't know. It's, Y'all know it's, I it's a sad state of affairs. And I'm just a, yeah, I just got to be a praying, praying person, and I'm praying that somebody Jay runs against Abbott, and then. Yeah. Uh, Turn that law, but by that time everybody's going to already have a gun. Yeah, that's true. Everybody's going to already have enough. a gun by that time. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, it's it's something that you you have to ask yourself the question: Why? I mean, what are but we then doing? Just look at the youngsters. You know, Jay. You look at the youngsters. Like you've got beautiful, beautiful daughters, gorgeous children, and. I have the one that just makes me worry to death when she's out doing yep. bicycle meets. I can't possibly imagine you with three beautiful daughters and somebody can walk up with them with a gun because anybody yep. can have a gun. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get it either. Uh, so, like I said, we could do a whole show in Texas. I mean, you know, they're they're, they're uh, cutting the uh, unemployment uh, extension on the twenty sixth of June. They are just, I mean, they are just they've they've gone cuckoo for cocoa. Now, I agree, Jay, that he should cut the unemployment on June twenty sixth. Uh, uh-uh, I agree with that. You go some places, Jay. You wait in line in Texas forever because they're shorthanded with help. Everywhere you go in Texas, there is a sign that says hiring, Jay. Me and Bobby are yeah. beside ourselves mad about that. Yeah. So well, I talking, believe that they should seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour. They're not paying you a livable wage, Vanessa. They're not. Well, he's right. They're not paying, they're not paying you a livable yeah. wage. They're paying you seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour. 
to, to, to take them jobs. So they're okay, not paying so, a livable wage. Okay, Who so wants to go on. to work and make less money than you would make on unemployment? Would and you that's why he's cutting unemployment. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Cutting. I know. Okay, we're we're gonna we're we're getting to another topic. Well, I tell you, we'll talk about and that. And Joe Biden gives twelve hundred dollars extra in stamps per child. So their people got five thousand dollars worth of food stamps for one month, and they're selling them. Okay. They're All selling right. well, them. Let's, so, let, let, let's okay. Let, 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 hold on, but let, let me stop in. Let's let's we have to go. Let's talk about that next week because I have some opinions yeah, on that. That's, and that's going to be another story right there. Uh, yeah, and, and it's starting to get there already, so you're starting here. So we're going to step out right now because I know that that was going to trigger some responses from some, from some folks. All right, we're going to step out, take a real quick break. We'll be right back. You listen to the serious side of the J.R. Show, which happens every Sunday morning, right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. We'll be right back. Online radio at its best. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Corcoran. Uptown, downtown, small town, beach town, whatever town sounds good to you, you can make it your hometown with Corcoran. Corcoran, live who you are. Get to know the real estate professionals of Corcoran at Corcoran.com. A second opposition political leader has been arrested by the Nicaraguan government of Daniel Ortega. Arturo Cruz is the second likely presidential candidate to be taken into custody in one week, as Maria Martin reports. Likely Nicaraguan presidential candidate Arturo Cruz once served as Nicaragua's ambassador to Washington. On Saturday, he was arrested by Nicaraguan police at the Managua airport as he returned from the U.S. charged with, quote, attempts against Nicaraguan society. Just a few days ago, another influential opposition leader, Cristiana Chamorro, was taken into custody and remains under house arrest. The U.S. State Department has called for their immediate release. The department's Julie Chung says under Ortega, Nicaragua is becoming an international pariah and moving farther from democracy. For NPR News, I'm Maria Martin. Pope Francis is calling the discovery of the remains of 215 children at a former Canadian Catholic school for indigenous students shocking. He's calling on political and religious leaders to cooperate to shed light on what happened and seek reconciliation. The Pope spoke in St. Peter's Square today as many Canadians, including Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, are demanding a direct apology for the Church's role in such residential schools that separated Indigenous children from their families. Vice President Kamala Harris making her first foreign trip since taking office. She's due in Guatemala today. She will also visit Mexico. President Biden has asked Harris to address the root causes of surging Central American migration to the U.S.-Mexico border. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Keep. Grow your business with sales and marketing automation for serious entrepreneurs. Keep has everything you need to organize client info, follow up fast, and automate sales. Learn more at keap.com slash NPR. Online radio at its best. You ever notice when uh, he had a hard time going up the stairs on the plane? Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks. The news didn't cover Not one network covered it. Now, when I made the best speech I've ever made, they said it was at West Point, and it was pouring, and I had a ramp that was an ice skating rink, and I called, I said to the general, and I said, General, I may have to grab you, because the last thing I'm doing is going down. So I walked gingerly down. That was on every newscast in the world, and I never went down. I never went on my ass, I'll tell you. I wasn't going to fall. I think that was a booby trap. I think I'll never forget that ramp. That was like a sheet of ice. 
It was cold, rainy, and that ramp was long and steep. I said, General, I might have to grab you, but I'm not going down under. And unfortunately, I wasn't wearing American shoes. I had Italian shoes, nice leather. Leather. It's like an ice skating rink. Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. That was you guessed it, the dumbest man on the planet talking about his experience walking down a plank after he had given a, a commencement speech at West Point. I don't know how anyone can listen to this man and think that he is capable of running anything. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just, just befuddled by it. I am. I really am. Can I, say I don't really get it. Yeah, yeah, Joel, we came to you. We didn't know where you were at. You, we didn't get you. You didn't say oh, anything. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, here's go the ahead. thing. He said something really revealing in that. First of all, he said, I grabbed on something because I am not going down by myself. Like, he's going to take somebody with him, mm. which is revealing. And wow. his Keep America Great Again was saying, I was able to stand because I had Italian shoes on, not mm. American shoes. That you picked tell up on you something too. about his, um, <laughs> like his his um, narcissism and and just his outlook of the world. I can do anything I want to do. I don't have to buy American. You know, Americans can't make good enough shoes like Italians can, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there was no way he kept emphasizing that I was going to fall at, without um, bringing somebody with me. It's very Look revealing. It is very revealing. You're right. You, I picked up. Now, I didn't pick up on the falling part. That was a good pull by you, but I did hear the Italian leather shoes. You know, this is a guy that says America first, America, America, isolation, America, we buy America, we do this. But, hey, I have on Italian shoes because I can do that because I'm the man. He, he is a bumbling idiot. And for anyone to think that this guy is capable of leading anything, I have to really look at you through a different pair of glasses, Johnny D. I really have to. Because how can you listen to this nonsense and think that this guy, now he gave this speech last night. He lied once again about how the most corrupt, I mean, the most corrupt election in American history. And there are, and when you look at the polling, the majority of the Republicans believe what this idiot is saying. Absolutely. I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, Jay, that's one of those situations where, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, it, it really and truly is to think that this 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 individual and this criminal um, represented um, the highest office in the land and perhaps the most revered uh, office in the entire world. And, to, you know, to see the, the, the poor representation and, uh, it, you know, there, there's really no words for it. It, it really is not. You know, I, I, sat, I sat back last night and watched uh, as much of um, that, that commentary and, 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 com- and comedy show as I could um, muster. And after he got up and talked about, you know, this great uh, military, how he respected and revered the great military, and, you know, we were such a great country, and um, how he was a a true American, 
So that that was the first probably two minutes, and then I couldn't stomach him anymore when he went on to talk about, you know, how the country was in, in the hands of, of quote-unquote, well, not quoting what he says, but uh, just the savages, which was the Democratic Party. I, I kind of left that alone, not that I, I tout and, you know, prop up the Democratic Party because it's a lot of work that we have to do in the American uh, political realm. Um, but the reality is, is when this guy gets out there with his comedy show and, and to know that people follow him, you know, in, in the in the tune of over 75 million, that right there is still baffling to me. And, and, and I'll go through life simply saying who. And the more that I interact with people, the, the more I'm beginning to realize that you've got some closet people that was out there that, you know, uh, pretend to be one thing, but they, they actually are, are another thing. And it wasn't just about, you know, the, the, the Caucasian race. If you think about African-American males, um, it's, it's, it's a law enforcement officer that stays around, you know, um, our community. And, and, I mean, he still got that, that flag out there. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, man, stop. You know what I mean? Seriously, it, it just amazes me at just the repulsiveness of that individual and how people follow him. But like I say, the mighty have fallen, and we have got to build this this country back up um, and and bring people hope and bring people together and quit being so divisive in in our tongue and in our politics. The mighty has fallen. I mean, you have to be up to fall from somewhere. This guy, was he was a dang-on ground dweller from the very beginning. I think that uh, well, no, you know I, the Republican. I, I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking about the United States and how people saw oh, the yeah, United yeah, yeah. States. Oh yeah, yeah, Is what I'm talking. Yeah, I'm yeah, not talking right. about yeah. him. I mean, he's been yeah, you're right. You're all right. his life. So yeah. You're right. You're right. I agree. I mean, I mean that's you know President Biden uh, is heading overseas right now to try to repair America's reputation abroad with our closest allies. I mean, this guy hung up on the prime minister of Australia, that damn Trump. And this guy, you know, I I just, every day when I see people that talk about how great Trump is, and, you know, I had a friend that I was uh, uh, in conversation with, and I I had to tell her I can't be your friend no more because she said one of the most, she made one of the most idiotic statements that I think I've ever heard someone say. She said, well, yeah, Donald Trump was bad for America, but he exposed some things. What did he expose? He exposed, you know, how race is in this country and, you know, how the country needs to do a better job of this, that, and the other. I'm like, really? So we needed to go through four years of that nonsense, over over half a million people dying of COVID because they bungled their response? No. Those things existed before that clown came. The only thing he did was put lighter fluid on it and lit the match. He made it worse. He made it worse. Absolutely. Jackie, he Absolutely. made it worse. He made it worse. He made it worse. You have these states out here now passing voter suppression laws because they're claiming that there was fraud in the there was there was fraud in the twenty twenty election. Elections. And no one, even Republican state attorney generals are saying Nope, the most secure election in American history. You still have them, they have done, what, four recounts in Georgia? And they haven't found a damn thing. So this guy, I don't know what America did to, I don't know why, I don't know why God is mad at America, but maybe this was the reset. Okay, let me show you what your, your let me show you what's going on here. 
because we did not deserve four years of this. Jackie, uh, let me hear from you on this. Uh, this guy is back in the limelight. He's going to be out here uh, going to Republican rallies. He, he, he endorsed a candidate yesterday. His daughter-in-law gets up there and says, well, no for now, but not no forever. Like, ooh-wee, oh, please run now. These people are maniacs. They think that what the yeah. <laughs> like what? Not no for now, no for now, but not forever. Man, stop it, Jackie. What say you? Oh my God. Oh. <sighs> yeah, I I I know it's hard to believe, but but for some, I mean, it's like for, with some of these people. I mean, you see, what, 75 million people had his vote? I, I mean, it's sad, it's sad to say, million. but it, 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 oh. it's sad to say, but it looks like the, for, for them folks, he was their hero. I know that's crazy to say, but I don't know what else to say for them to uh, to be still in his corner. I mean, they think like him. And, and I tell you, I mean, to go on, come about what um, you come about. <laughs> um, America didn't deserve a pre- president like him in so many ways. It's like, are you sure about that? Because yeah. when you turn away, when you, especially with God, you turn away from God. <laughs> if you, if you, America has done. Uh, and more and more and more to turn their back on God. See, he gon' he gon' God to turn you over. <laughs> so a reality show is what you want. Okay, I'm gonna give you a reality show president. That's what I'm gonna do, y'all. No, she didn't say it. No, she did not say it for reality show. You want. We're gonna give you a reality y'all, y'all show Y'all wanna president. become a reality show? That's what's going wow. on here. I'm gonna turn. Mm. God, God, God will turn you over. Wow. You're going to go you know, reprobate. Uh, He's he going to turn you over. There it is. Johnny so a reality show is what you want, huh, America? He is, okay, here's your reality show president. He has definitely introduced that word into our lexicon. Uh, Vanessa, um, I heard you laughing when I was talking about this man at the top of how can someone listen. He, You know, he, I guess he thinks he's a stand-up comedian. stands up and he says these things. I mean, to talk about government, you know, I'm not going to go down by myself. I'm going to grab the I was wearing Italian shoes. and I mean, my God, he is, his mindset, I would like to know if they did, you know how they did the, you know, when a football player dies and they, you know, they do a, a scan of his brain. I, you know, someone needs to do that when this man passes on. I bet you they're going to find the mind of a third grader. He has got to be one of the most dumbest people that I've ever seen in my life. He's the biggest con man we've ever seen to get into the White House. But what does that say about our country? People actually think, Vanessa, that he will be that he will be reinstated as president in August of this year. People believe that. Yeah. We walk, it was on Facebook. We walk, we walk amongst these people, Vanessa. And now you're gonna give these same people access to guns. A gun. I'm done. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Jesus. 
Oh, get on your knees and pray. Pastor, pray for this nation. I, I, I honey, I, I pray for this this country when I go to church on Sunday, and I pray for this country sometimes. Sometimes, I'm being honest, at dinner. But I usually pray for this country at church when the pastor does it. But, you know, this is just ridiculous. It's crazy. And Texas is Texas going to lose big businesses. They want the casinos to come here. The casinos ain't going to get to come here if they're giving the Wild Wild West a gun. I mean, who wants to open up businesses here and you're giving everybody a gun? Well, they can just walk in and shoot you because you don't hire them or because they don't like the way you looked at them or because you voted for a Democrat. I mean, I'm telling you, you know what? When I get out of church, I'm going to have to post all of this on Facebook. (laughs) There you go. Facebook queen. Let let me, Jerome, let me, we we have about 10 minutes. Well, that's how I get the message out to people. Well, that's good. I mean, we need to get the message out. We, from our listeners, we appreciate you guys listening to what we say. Uh, to any way you can let folks know that we have some dummies walking amongst us, please do. Jerome, we have a couple of minutes left in this segment, and I want to ask you a question. You know, I asked you a question, I want to say maybe two months ago. Do you think this man's going to jail? And I said, I don't think he's going to jail. And you said, I don't believe it either. But now things have changed a little bit, Jerome, so we have two minutes left. What do you think, man? Because I think the only way that's going to stop him from running is he's in jail. And I think... And let me say this real quick, and I'll extend it another minute or so, because this is my theory. You tell me if I make sense with what I'm about to say. I think the reason why Donald Trump continues to try to push the political, this political fraud thing, because he knows that the law is coming. And so what he's trying to do is he's trying to create a narrative where he's going to be, quote, unquote, a political prisoner. They're doing this because of the fact they don't like what I'm doing, what I did as president and what I represent. So that take everybody's mind and eyes off of the criminal activities that he's done. They're doing this because you're a criminal, not because you were president. I think that's why he's pushing this narrative. What say you in the last two minutes we have in this segment? All right. Jerome's gone again. All right, so let's – No, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay so what, what I, say I was going to say that's true because he's been doing that since he got there. Right, so his whole his whole premise was, if I lose, it's because they cheated. They don't like me anyway, so give me money. Right, that's all. He's a con man. Like that's what they do. Right, so you figure you you create the the worst case scenario. I'm sorry, the most likely scenario. Use that to your advantage, and he's really really good at it. Right, so he's he's. Being more political, he's starting to come out and speak now because he knows that as those charges comes in, he needs to make a case that they're politically prosecuting me. Whereas, mm-hmm. by right, there are a lot of people who are Black Panthers that are probably still in jail now just because they were politically prosecuted in this country. So I'm not praying that the country goes back to what it was before, right? That The fact that they're putting a, a light on this. He is the poster child for the corruption that exists inside of capitalistic society. The people who have money actually get the advantage in any part of this system, and we need to do something about that or not. I'm not saying that we need to, but I'm just saying it is so much in your face that we have to kind of take some kind of stand against it one way or another. It's just like looking at this gun um, gun thing that you guys are talking about in Texas, and I know you're going to talk about it later, but just on that, who cares? 
we need to be protecting ourselves anyway. Because if the insurrection didn't tell you anything and the 100th anniversary of Tulsa did not tell you anything, is that black people are always vulnerable to those nuts. Ten guns per person in people's households, and black people have none in comparison numerically. We don't have any. There are white folks who have hundreds of guns, right? We are not prepared for people, like, even in a defensive posture. So when somebody says gun, you can't always assume that they're going to rob somebody. You may need it for defense. And this is why we live in a society in this country that celebrates the purge. They watch movies like that, that bloodthirst for um, violence is already here. So when Trump just fans the flames of that, then we we blame him. But Pence, um, Mike Huckabee, um, Russ Limbaugh, all of them cowards fan the flames of that. And then they act like, oh, I just used a couple of words, Giuliani. I didn't mean that. Um, who's the guy? Hannity. They go to court and said, oh, they know we're entertainment. This is what they're pleading to in court. We're entertainment. And then they go back on the radio and go, y'all need to do something now or you're losing your country forever. They should make yeah. Fox run, uh, um, you know, like they used to say, you know, in, in shows back in the days, they need to say, this is for entertainment purposes. They need to label those shows every time they come on and when they go off. Because that's what they're claiming yep. in court. So Trump is nothing correct about that. For that. Yep. Yeah, you're absolutely correct about that. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. That is a drop the mic moment. Wow. You know what time it is? It's time for state your case, Pastor Pastor Steve. State your case where we take comments from the world famous chat room and from social media. And chat room, I'm going to apologize to you now because Mr. Les is not in the studio, so we will not hear from you this morning. Unfortunately, but we do have a lot that came in over social media. Let me see, can I read all this in a very short period of time that I have? All right, so I'm not going to read all of these. I'm going to read about six. Maybe I can get six in there. All right, so Pastor Steve says, peace and blessings, family. Well, welcome, you guys. Well, welcome, you guys. Welcome back, you guys. You guys were MIA last Sunday. Uh, you're you're ignoring your – no, I'm sorry. He says, your adoring audience mishearing from you all on Sundays. Let's not – Let's try not to miss any more Sundays, okay? He said, I'm joking, but I'm serious at the same time. Okay, Pastor, calm your nerves. All right, Raymond from Washington. First-time listener, very nice show. The best that I've heard on BTR, great topics, smart analysis, well done. Oh, I will continue to follow this show. Can I listen on iHeartRadio and or iTunes? Yes, you can. We're on both. Uh, Marianne Music, Mr. Elias, get your groove on, my friend. Love this morning's mix. Janice from the land. the land. Oh, Cleveland. All right, she says, look, so are we bi-weekly now? Missed you guys last week. Did Jerome say two years ago that this country is heading towards a race war? At that time, I thought that he was crazy, but based on today's environment, I would say that the man is a genius. Okay, we'll let Jerome respond to that afterwards. Deshaun, Deshauna from Atlanta, Georgia. The black people's capital, Jay? Really? LOL, you're right. Great show as always. <laughs> I know I'm right. All right, uh, Ray from Dallas, Texas. This new law is reckless, dangerous, and downright dumb. How can anyone of sound mind and judgment think that this is a good idea? Well, your governor thinks it's a good idea, Ray. All right, Felicia from Houston. 
Why did you cut off the discussion about unemployment? Yes, there are people out there gaming the system, but there are also people with master degrees like me who can't find a decent job. And no, I'm not going to work at Burger King. Sorry. So the female panelist is saying, hurt the masses to stop a few bad apples. I pay my taxes. I work my butt off to get to where I am today. I have never asked anyone for anything, and to file for unemployment was so demeaning to me. So please do your research before you start mouthing off about issues that you know nothing about. Ouch. Uh, Carrie from uh, Katy, Texas. Jay, you hit the nail on the head with your analogy. He is playing the political uh, prisoner card. And on that note... Online radio at its best. It is time for our final thoughts. And uh, Vanessa, the floor is all yours. What's your final thoughts this morning, ma'am? My final thought is I do feel sorry for the people that are righteous in filing their unemployment and getting their food stamps and their benefits. But I also know about the people, so I do know what I'm talking about because I get the phone calls. Miss Vanessa, I got $5,000 with food stamps. Would you like to buy 1000 for me for $600? So I do know what I'm talking about. So I'm not talking about you, but I am talking about the ones that are mistreating the system. I am. Before COVID, they were out there working, making $8 an hour. Before COVID. So now all of a sudden, $8 an hour is too good to go make, to go work at a Home Depot or wherever or wherever or wherever. So I do know what I'm talking about. And I do get those phone calls. And I do talk to people who say they're not going back to work as long as they can get that extra $300. You're just the exception. And I hate that for you. I am sorry for you. But I also am the one who sat there and saw when they had a job fair, 19 people showed up at a job fair. 19. So it can't be that bad. And every now and then, we have to come down on our peg on what kind of money we want to make so we can get things back on track in our life. So when I say cut the $300, I miss that. I miss that because I get tired of going to self-check at Walmart. I get tired of standing in line at the hospital or doing this or this or this because nobody's working. And everywhere you see, there are signs that say hiring. Hell, I had to clean a, a house as a maid when I was in college. So because you got a degree or a master's, you're too good to take a job that pays you $1,000 less a month? Oh, come on now. So I don't care what you emailed to Jay. I'm just telling you how I feel. And I do feel sorry for those of you who are in that predicament. But sometimes we got to bring it down until we can get it together. And I hope he cuts that $300. And I wish Biden would stop giving them an extra $1,000 per child for food stamps. He needs to stop it. I was a social worker for nine years with food stamps. You can't tell me nothing about that. And please don't say that you don't know nothing about it. Because I did it for nine years. So, I'm going to turn in the church. I'm going to pray for all of y'all. And you don't know me, so don't tell me what you don't. You don't know anything about it. You don't know me. And you don't know anything about my background or my education level. So, you need to back up. Y'all have a good show. The rest of it and a good week. All right, Vanessa. All right, uh, Jackie, uh, give me your final thoughts. Uh, look, all, all I can say is um, America is, <laughs> I, I say it again, America has lost its mind, and we really need to get on our, our knees and 
first action of first prayer and then just do what we can to better this country. I mean, it just seems like it is going to hell. And that's much prayer. Much prayer is All right. I got to say. All right. Johnny D, man, give me your final thoughts. Woo. I tell you what, uh, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, the, 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 the beauty <laughs> about, you know, the, the First Amendment in this show is that there, there is always some, some, some good debate and, and some, some commentary. So after Ms. Jackie's comments and particularly Ms. Vanessa's comments, uh, like I say, I respect the right of everybody to say what they have to say. Um, don't necessarily hold the same position, but uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm, I'm going to let her drop the mic, and I'm just going to say God bless you all, and uh, if it's God's will and our purpose, uh, I will see you next week. I like the way you did that. Uh, <laughs> I like the way you did that. All right, uh, Jerome, and final thoughts. <laughs> well, you know, I... You know, although I I disagree um, with Vanessa, I I understand what she's saying, but we cannot start, we cannot go back to the Reagan era. I do not want to see this. That whole thing about there are people eating better than everybody else and they're not working, we have to really be careful. People were underpaid for years. There are people who are living, like, right on the edge. So some people are going to benefit. So what? that yep. people have um, signs up. They're paying people $2 an hour to wait on doggone tables, right? Yep. So they're making the money on their side, but they ain't paying their workers. I'm glad that people aren't there. They need to up their game. So this is a way to make those people who are gouging money up their, up their game to get workers. $300 is nothing. So yep. for people to say that, you know, that's, that's – you know, taking too much money out of the economy or, or from the government or whatever, $300 goes really quick. And I don't care if somebody is selling food stamps, right? The issue is, is back in the days, I remember people did that, but they were selling food stamps to pay the heat bill, right? You don't know why people are doing anything. So, you know, it's not that people are lazy and don't let all of those old tropes and stuff come back. Don't let that welfare clean stuff come back. Stop looking at the poorest people in this land as that they're pulling you down. That is a convenience that we have to be able to go through, you know, a grocery store and whatever. Boycott Walmart if they have too many, um, you know, check, you know, cashless or whatever um, checkouts. I don't go through those lines. I'd rather interact with people. It's not because they didn't have workers. They started this a while ago, and people kept complaining exactly. that, oh, we're exactly. going online. So anyway, yep. I just wanted to say that, that we need to put that stuff in perspective. The wages need to go up in this country, and the only way that they're going up is because of the pandemic. People are staying home, working from home, and they have different jobs now. And you're not going to go back to the minimum wage when you're someplace else. They're just trying to force the people who were on social services to take those jobs, and that's just damn stupid. Yeah, and if you go back and do the math, uh, getting the unemployment, extra, the extra unemployment plus your state unemployment and the extension of benefits, it really equates to about $7.50 an hour. So 
you know, I mean, come on, let's uh, be real about that. And I think that in my, in my final thoughts are this. I think people are people have the right to their own opinion, uh, but I think that sometimes we have to look at the overall issue versus honing in on one or two issues. The systemic problem of black folks not being taken care of. We did a story about black farmers. You know, white people are up in arms because now all of a sudden they're creating these opportunities for these black farmers who have been discriminated against for years. And I look at what's happening right now similar to that situation. You can't sit here and say that years and years and decades and decades of of systemic racism and suppression doesn't have anything to do with what's going on. So, you know, the young lady is right. I mean, the bottom line is is that there are people out there looking for jobs who have master's degrees and bachelor's degrees, and no one's not saying that, that they're too good to take a job here or there. But if you are a, a former vice president of a large energy company and all of a sudden you got to go work at McDonald's, I mean, come on. That don't even make sense. So, I mean, I see both sides of it, but at the same time, you have to look at the overall picture. So... Wow, what a show. And I also want to take this opportunity to wish my oldest daughter, it would be her birthday next week, Nicole Cole, I love you to death. And uh, I know I'm going to be in trouble with some money that I don't have. So anyway, uh, there you go. There you go. There you go. So now, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, Jerome, you got the honors this week, my friend. What time is it? It's time for the serious side of the J. Ryle show. That's what time it is. So, for for Jackie, for John, for Ms. Elias, for Jerome, I'm J. Ryle saying have a wonderful work we can remember. If it is Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side of the J. Ryle show. Coming up next on the Need to Know Basis of our main man, Jerome Street. Don't go anywhere. You're going to love it. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Pledge allegiance to to the flag of the United States of America. All right, it is time for the Need to Know Basics with my main man, Jerome. Jerome, what do you have going on today, man, on the serious side? Part two of the Jay Rollins show. Hey, Jay, you know what? I'm I'm about to start off by saying um, I can't believe when we don't have shows, you're not playing rewinds like you used to. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, man, <laughs> I, I know you ain't. You get like everybody else. Wow. <laughs> no, I got that from the from the from uh, what you just read, when he said we can't miss any shows. I'm like, that way we won't miss no shows. <laughs> well, People expect know, to hear. I, t- I tell you what, <laughs> since you brought it up. We're going to have to do something about this because these people, I mean, I didn't even read all of them, Jerome. Yeah, Uh I didn't read all of them. So so (laughs) you're right. We're going to have to do something. I'm going to, you know, we'll talk about it off the air. But, yeah, y'all, we got to do this, man, because they're right. I mean, people tune in to listen, and all of a sudden we're not there. They're pissed. I didn't read some of the tests that I got. (laughs) I heard Mr. Elias laughing. Look, I was going to say nothing. Go ahead, Elias. (laughs) I was there. (laughs) I was with them. Here you go. Mm-hmm. I was taking it against okay. myself. But go ahead. Okay, go okay, ahead, okay. Elliot. Okay. I, 
No, 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 no. We don't need to do a rewind. There's six people on the show. So when I'm not here, guess what? I'll t- I'm going to send Jerome the schedule. I'm going to send okay, him all the I'm going to object. I'm going to object to oh, this and tell is. you that that needs to be offline <laughs> so we can curse you out, like, behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. We're going to be agreeable because we are the air. But let's see y'all in about 10 minutes after the show. I'm, okay, I'm no just problem. joking. All right. So, I, <laughs> no, I know you are. Okay, so, um, you know, Jerome, right. I know this is your spot, man, but, but, but I have to, you know, we don't want to talk about what happened at the end of the show. Go ahead, man. Uh, the show's yours. Wow. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. What happened at the end of the show? What? No. Well, this whole that whole comment that Vanessa made, man. I, I don't know. Man. Yeah. I mean, I love Vanessa to death, and uh, but I just I can't disagree with her more on that. Wow. What, yeah. What, 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 what I, again, you know, from Vanessa's standpoint, I understand it, right? Because what Vanessa is looking at is the the experience that she has is leading her to believe that people are taking advantage of a system and it's an inconvenience to her. And what I'm saying is that we need to look at the world differently than we did in the past because, you know, it's just like what what happens with white folks. Like, generally, I think I've said this enough, being racist is stupid, right? You're not smart if you're racist. But the issue is that... They are conditioned to see the world in a certain way that allows them to buy in to something. You know, for example, when I hear, you know, and this is not Johnny because Jay does this too and Vanessa does this. When you say 74 million people voted for Trump, that is a misnomer. Stop saying that because I think about 80 million people voted for Biden, right? He lost. It doesn't matter if he lost by 10 points or 2 points. You lost. But wait, and so, but wait a minute, Jerome. But hold on, Jerome. Jerome wanna, that. Let's, talk, let's talk about this for a second, though. But, but Jerome, but, but, but you don't think that there's nothing wrong. I think it's just the fact that so many people, that's why I say it, because I can't believe that 74 million people actually voted for this man after his four-year track record. Yeah. That's what yeah, I'm but you're about. Like they agree with him. So let's do it this way. Let me do it by the numbers, right? Let's just do this okay. by a third. Like, so, okay. so, so say a third of them are just flat-out Trump supporters, and that's, that's okay. reasonable, right? Say the okay. other third are just Republicans that don't want to vote Democrat, and say the other third are just neutral. They, didn't, they wasn't paying attention. Don't that bring that huh. number down quite a bit? Well, because that's you more put right there, I guess you're right. I tend to believe what Chris Matthews said when he said that what, the reason people vote for Trump is that they say that he says what they want, what, what they are scared to say. And now, yeah. now he's bringing it out in them. And he said, and, and, the, and the way the country is going right now is that they are going to be the minority in the country, and they're scared of that. Because yeah. oh, people are, the different, different minorities are taking over. Yes, we're playing with a pathology of, of Europeans. And we don't like to talk about that. So Chris Matthews is a part of the same problem. He just doesn't know it. He's identifying a problem that he perpetuates the same damn on thing as everybody else. Him, Chuck Joe Scarborough. No, I'm serious. Look at it this way. Okay, so look at it this way. Yeah, I, I know. But but when we see some somebody black get killed by a police officer, what does white reporters do? We're like, what's their normal response? When they talk to black people, how do you feel about this? this? What do you think about it? Right? They want, it's porn to them. 
Now, if it was little Katie that fell down a damn well, they would be talking about how this is heart-wrenching, and this makes me feel like they would talk about it from the first person. They don't care when it comes to black people, and they don't know that they are conditioned to do that. They're just there as a reporter. I just want to check the emotions so the white person feels some kind of way about what's going on. Like, like it wasn't a white person that killed them. It's like, how do you feel about another white person killing somebody black? Why don't we ask the reporters that when they go into black communities? How do you feel about that? You're reporting on this. You don't have no emotion in this. They won't take their own responsibility. So what I'm saying is that we have to kind of understand what that pathology is, and we need to move differently because we can't, we can't control what everybody else is brainwashed with. So the, Chris Matthews is right. At the same time, he's a part of the same problem. He does not know that he doesn't know Jack. And that's dangerous as well. <laughs> so, so All right, well, I'm instead sorry, of keep, No, no, no. Before you go, I just want to say this. Instead of keeping Keith, Keith Oberman in, uh, you know, on MSNBC, he was so scary to white people that they fired him from MSNBC. He was too radical yep. for them to talk about what their own ailments were. So again, yeah. it is it is uh, in the bigger picture, the whole system needs an enema. Is the only thing I can really tell you. <laughs> I'm sorry to quote Jack Nicholson from the first Batman, but hey, I don't need the enema. Ah, wow. all right, you, you know I'm hanging around for my you know I'm hanging around for my information, man. Phoebe, my okay, knowledge, well, bro. All right, so since, since we don't have our okay, okay, so here is our. Unconfirmed black history for today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, in 1968, a little-known gospel singer from Memphis, Tennessee, named Cheryl Anders, she booked a studio session. It was a hot summer night, so from the start, there were technical difficulties with the volume and the feedback in the booth. So, 15 minutes before the session was over, her neighborhood rival. They was vague on the name, but it was Linda Banks, I think the name was. She walked in and said, I hope you're almost done because I'm next. And that's when she replied and made history by saying, first of all, check your tone. <laughs> that's the first person that said <laughs> She said, check your tone when you come in here. And we've been using that ever since. That was the thing. <laughs> so, so for the whole show, I felt like saying check your toes, but I remember when I was a gospel singer, Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> Thank you, Jerome, so, for that information. <laughs> oh, my hey, God. I just said, we, we, every now and then, we have to have, uh, we have to have one or two, but yeah, yeah that was, that was, you go. that was our little... Our unconfirmed black history for the day. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, fellas, I'm out. Y'all got it. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right, what's up, Elias? You got it, brother. You got it. All right, you know what we never talked about? is my man um, from Digital Underground Past. Yeah, yeah. Shock G. Oh, like Shock G. I yeah. cannot, you know, we didn't talk about this. And, um... Matter of fact, we missed this because remember the last time we talked about who passed um, um, the comedian? Oh, Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney. Remember mm-hmm. we talked about that last time? Right, yeah. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so Jay, Jay, Jay left, but maybe Jay's still close to us right now. Paul Mooney, I should have gave him his another black history fact. Do you know that, uh, you know, Paul Mooney, who wrote for, you know, Which Way's Up, right? And in, mm-hmm. um, you know, the old Rich Pryor movie. Do you know Which Way's Up, the song by the Two Live Crew, their very famous song, they're using a sample from Which Way Is Up? Really? Yep. Didn't I yep. know that, it's, man? Yep, yeah, it is the Misa Horny song. It's a, the sample <laughs> is from Which Way Is Up. <laughs> really? Now sit down before yeah. I put this glove on your ass. <laughs> See, Jay is still here. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> Right, wait. See, I was waiting for you to pull a sample that they actually use from from Misa Hardy, but I don't. We can do that. We can do that next time. But it was from which ways up? Fine. Jay's favorite movie. Well, wait a minute. I don't know. I, I can't remember if it's his favorite movie, but it's one of mine. It was the clump before the clump. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, our, our first story, the U.S. records fewer than 6,000 new COVID um, cases for the first time since March 2020, with the former um, epi- epicenters in New York and Los Angeles recording zero rates, um, well, positivity rates as low as 0.3. So wow. Memorial Day saw a record low of COVID cases um, at under 6,000 for the first time. You know, COVID deaths are also falling, too, within uh, a weekly average of under 600. Now, you would think that that is still crisis level, but at the rate that people were passing away, now it seems like, okay, everything can go back to normal, but people are still dying from COVID, by the way. Mm. Yeah, they are. Yep. Now, a new study came out that said previous COVID-19 infections can reduce your risk of contracting the virus again up to 85% over the next 10 months, according to this new study. So English researchers found that those who previously contracted COVID-19 were up to 85% likely to contract um, the virus again for the next 10 months. Really? It, it, it increased it, not made wow. them immune. Yeah. So they said they're not immune. Um, they're not immune even um, if unvaccinated. They're saying that you run a risk of getting COVID again within the next 10 months wow. if you had it. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Now, now the U.S. Capitol suffered nearly $1.5 million of damage from January 6th insurrection. And those people are ordered to fit the bill. So federal prosecutors reportedly are seeking to have all 505 rioters charged in the January insurrection to pay restitution to help cover the estimated $1,495,326.55. I got the 55 mm. cents in damages <laughs> that they caused in the cap. It is funny that they can ring a price tag on your butt, right? Like, like we don't do estimates all the way around. It went down 55 cents. They knew how much, wow. that much, how much damage it was done. And, and for those people who are listening to the Michael Flynn's of the world and all of that, and saying oh that my. people peacefully went in there. Cool. Hey, man, this dude's a general, and he's talking about starting a coup. 
Wow. What, yeah. what is wrong and, with the world today, man? And again, you know, when they arrest I have to. When they arrest them, you know what they're going to say? Oh, no, he didn't mean it like that. Mm-hmm. They know yep. what, they know what yep. words they're playing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Michael Flynn, uh, well, even with them saying that, like, you know, a, a coup and... And who was the other guy who said, uh, what's his name, Johnson, the senator, saying that people were, um, it looked like a regular tour? Like yeah. people just. Um, mm-hmm. People used bathrooms. They defecated and urinated in the Capitol. That is your and regular this tour. Clown, and this clown is, uh, he's, he's, he's stacking up stuff so they're going to break into the, uh, into the, into the, into the Capitol. He's stacking up doors, so they they they're barricading themselves as he's saying this. Oh, just yeah. you look at that. This is just any other dude. Stop. Just be honest yep. about it. And it go and it goes right back to what we were saying. Why would people still support um, the same nonsense that they were scared of ten minutes ago? It's because they're cowards and they're still white supremacists. And so overall, this country always reverts back to that. It's, Whatever is making you comfortable in protecting whatever you perceive your own way of life is, right? It's saying that all I want to do is see, you know, it's what colonizers do, right? You want that society to see you at the top of the food chain at all times. And I'm telling you, no matter what you do, it's not going to happen. But they're fighting it. So I, I just say, I just expect it. They're fighting it. Now, the HIV infection rate in the U.S. has declined by 73% um, mm. from the 130,400 infections in 1994, or 84, and 85, to only um, 34,800 in 2019. So since the mm. 80s, HIV rate has declined. Now, people are still getting HIV. It's just that the um, treatment of HIV is not um, is not as fatal. It's gonna it's gonna be what COVID is gonna be. You know, there's gonna be people still dying from COVID, but it's gonna decrease so much that we're gonna be looking at COVID like we do HIV now. Like, oh, didn't that happen a long time ago? It's still happening. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, babies born to white mothers are almost four times likely to be killed by drugs than those born to black and Hispanic women, women according to the CDC. Hmm. So a new CDC report found that 60.4% of babies who died from drug-related causes were, white, uh, were born to white women compared to 17% born to black mothers and – well, 17.6% to black mothers and 16.7% to Hispanic women. Now, again, doesn't that lead you to look at the world a little differently? Because you think that there's <laughs> yeah. drug use in black and Hispanic communities, so we need to do over-policing? Yeah. Obviously, the 60% of white families that are having that problem is a whole lot more than 17%. Mm. Right? So wow. with those numbers, we should be t- determining how to, um, you know, how to police. And they won't police right. white folks. Yep. Mm. Now, death involving people who are not wearing seatbelts has rocketed by 20% in a year. In a year, even though roads were quieter because of COVID, so people got off the roads, did not really drive much, but the people who died from not having their seatbelt on increased by 20%. Mm. 
So the National Highway. Oh, I can believe that. Yeah, the you, National. I was out on the road. People uh-huh. were driving crazy. They didn't care, man. It was like speed limit. What's that? Yeah, so but, they didn't have but, no seatbelts. I know. Yeah, like I said, when people first come back out, that's why, you know, there's a lot more conflict. People are shooting. There, are people are doing drugs. We're gonna have a spike because people were cooped up. And so once the partying stuff comes back, there's going to be more DWIs. There's going to be more crazy people on the roads. But the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration released a report on traffic deaths that concluded the spike came even as traffic decreased because people are being reckless. They feel free, and nobody wants to be restrained. Now, I have to tell you, I used to think it was an age thing, but um, because I don't want to go way back on everybody, but. There was a time that we didn't have to wear seatbelts, <laughs> like, like it was not the law. And um, even though I was little, days. when that was, there are people who are just not used to strapping on a seatbelt every time they get in the car. My my um, thing goes off in the car, that beeping, that light flashing, as I drive out my driveway all the time. It's like, oh, fasten your seatbelt. Yep. Like, I'm always yeah. reminded to do it because we really didn't have to, um, but... Those people who grew up with seatbelt laws, you would think that they would be, it would just be second nature, getting your car and putting in a seatbelt. Now, um, now I can remember, what I can remember is that before they had the seatbelt law, is that I, I when, when my, when my uh, seatbelt alarm would go off, I would just plug it in and sit on the seatbelt. I, I just used to wear that seatbelt. I mean, yes, yes. When it, when it first, when that first seatbelt law first, um, first mm-hmm. passed, we were all so defiant that I would just put a part of it over my shoulder. <laughs> like, it was mm-hmm. like just right on the arm, <laughs> on the shoulder blade. Yeah. Just, just mm-hmm. to look like it was pulling something. No, none yep. was forcey. Yeah. But yep. we weren't reckless, apparently, either. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, when you're reckless, you need to wear a seatbelt. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Everybody needs to wear one because you can get hit by somebody else being reckless. So That's the one thing you, you teach people when, they're, when you teach folks how to drive is that mm-hmm. young people, it is not you that you're worried about. You're somebody else putting you into an accident. Somebody else can hit you. Sure. doesn't matter what your driving skill level is. Now, the Biden administration is deploying facial, a facial recognition app to track asylum seekers as a part of the smart border strategy. I don't really like this. So asylum seekers in the United States are being encouraged to submit biographic and biometric information to the um, to the border patrol. This the C it's the CB um, P one app that allows the border patrol officials to verify your identity. And I don't know if I agree with this. They want to track Mexicans these really? days. I, if mm. I was them, I wouldn't do it. But, no. Yeah, there is a way like on the other side of the Rio Grande between Texas and uh, California. You might want to go that way. Like just just go around the wall, but that I'm I'm sorry to encourage that, but I am just telling you, biometric data and facial recognition um, stuff is not your friend. No matter what anybody tells you, don't say if I'm not doing anything wrong, why should I care? Don't do that. It is not your friend. Now, uh, American Airlines announced a deal to buy 15 supersonic planes capable of. 1,300 miles an hour flying from New York to London in just 0.5 hours. 
Um, United I States, they were pur- yeah, they said they would purchase 15 um, Overture aircraft from um, the Denver-based air, um, aerospace company from a – it's called Boom Supersonic. I wasn't going to say their name. But anyway, um, with the option to buy 35 more. I don't know how I feel about this, but I'm going to, just like the vaccine, I'm going to let everybody else go first. <laughs> I'm not telling you that for the flight. But, but they said that the, uh, it's like, five, you know, I wonder how many people are going to fly on that sucker. Because this, they say it's like five to $6,000 just for a standard seat. Yep. Yep. All and that's why I'm saying so. I'm going to let them go anyway and see mm-hmm. how that works out for them. Because everything... <laughs> You know, we, we have a country built on greed and capitalism, and they're both one and the same mm-hmm. most of the time. So yeah. we're going to let the rich people go first and see how that see how that works out, mm-hmm. you know. And um, they tell you fly 60,000 feet in the air, man. I was like, wow. Yeah, mm. yeah. You're, you're like that. You're going like in space, right? Yeah. It should be faster to go straight up and let the earth turn to where you want to go and just come straight down. <laughs> like, it's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. <laughs> You know, that should be faster. Um, um, Twitter is launching a new feature that will let users undo tweets. So they said, but they'll have to pay to do so. So after popping up in the description of an app store last week, Twitter has finally launched their Twitter Blue subscription service, um, giving heavy users the ability to edit tweets and more. Mm. Okay, mental note. Um, just watch what you say, right? Stop mm-hmm. being reckless. They're gonna pay to undo tweets. You can't undo a tweet after you lose your job. I don't think, right? <laughs> like that's not how it works. Nah, you can't. Your job and be like, uh, I undid it. Uh, now, <laughs> TikTok is changing its privacy in the U.S. so that it can harbor, use, uh, harvest user faces, um, voice print, and other biometric data. So TikTok mm. has updated its privacy policy to indicate, indicate that it was going to start recording users' facial features, um, voice print, and um, biometric data. data. Um, they mm. said if it does, the company says, it will notify your users where um, required by law. Now, I love corporate speak, where required by law, which means that if the law don't say it, they ain't telling you jack. Really? That's what you mean by that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, again, um, just because it's like Facebook, right? Just because you think can't nobody use this data, they're selling it. So mm. your biometric data will be in there. Now, okay. So we missed the show where um, for Memorial Day, but American Legion officials. Um, I- I'm trying to think. It was in South Carolina. Um, cut a veteran's microphone at a Memorial Day ser- um, yeah. ceremony when he wow, began to say, "What'd you say?" I saw this when I was like, "This is crazy." Yeah, this is yeah, because most people don't most people don't know. So the organizers turned off the the microphone after about two minutes in the middle in the middle of um, Bernard um, Kemter's eleven minute speech, just as he started to talk about. Um, how the holiday was born out of a ceremony which freed slaves honored um, um, deceased soldiers at the end of the Civil War. So about a month after the Civil War, less than a month, you know, um, 
well, it's less than a month after the Confederacy surrendered, right? And he said he, he wanted to use his speech to detail the history or the origins of Memorial Day, right? So mm-hmm. he recounted that when emancipated slaves um, gave fallen Union prisoners a proper, proper burial, so the free slaves reportedly, not reportedly, actually know this story, they, there were mass graves that the Confederate people were throwing Union soldiers in. So the black folks dug up 200 Union soldiers' bodies and put it in a new um, cemetery with this tall whitewashed fence inscribed with the words, Martyrs of the Race Course, because it referred to this Washington Race Course and Jockey Club in Charleston, South Carolina, where they were buried. So on May 1st, 1865, a crowd of about 10,000 people, mostly free slaves, and not mostly, primarily, some white missionaries decided to parade around the racetrack with um, black school children carrying flowers, I think about 2,000 of them. They were singing Union marching songs, and that's how <laughs> Memorial Day started. Just like mm-hmm. every other, um, not everyone, but most things that black people create gets co-opted. And so it was co-opted. So there you have it. And, yeah. and also, um, Kidmer said that the, oh, it was in Akron, the Akron Beacon Journal, this is in South Carolina, I think, they said that a lot of people told them that it was well-received, and, and they said that they never knew the origins of the holiday. But that yeah. is exactly why, you know, you have white Southerners that don't want you to know history, because they want you to think... Yeah. Oh, the Confederate people were just nice people like you and me. It wasn't a yeah, basketball right. game, right? <laughs> they tried to make it look like it was a sporting event that they lost, and so we should be cool with the Confederacy. They were insurrectionists trying to take the country. Well, see, what, what gets me about this, is Jerome, is that he told them what he was going to be talking about before he yeah. got up, and they said, we don't want you talking about that. He said, I got to. I have no choice because this is history. And I got to tell what history is, and they didn't give a care. They was like, "Oh, it's so well, we're gonna let we, you, since you're gonna talk about, it, we're gonna cut your mic off." It's yeah, crazy to me. Yeah, you know, interesting part of the story is that they tried to get the sound man to cut his mic, and the sound man said no. So the right. organizers, two of them went in. Somebody actually went in. He told, he pointed where the button was to turn off the sound, and they turned it off. But he wouldn't do it because he he thought mm-hmm. it was stupid, right? To, to be afraid wow. of history, because it's not, again, the the fabric of this country um, has this this line of white supremacy in it. Why does it make you mad mm. to know that black people created anything? You know, mm. we're looking at, like, rap and hip-hop, like, you know, and I know black people say this sometimes, music is universal and it's for everybody. But if you remember really? anything about their origins of rap and hip-hop and that whole culture, white folks could not stand it. They were, they were treating it like, you know, when they were you can watch old TV shows now and they'd be like, hip-hop or um, disco sucks. Anything that had to do with diversity and stuff, white folks will, like, violently oppose. Mm-hmm. But now you have, you have racist, neo-Nazi people rapping, which is kind of crazy. Right. <laughs> so now you find that Palatable because you now can do it. 
And it, you know what that reminds me of? It's like the the people who want to be with the cool kids but can't stand them until they actually become hang, start hanging out with them. <laughs> like they're like, I can't stand y'all. You want to go to the party? They're like, yep. <laughs> yep, I sure do. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, now, um, Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest, who headed the Ku Klux Klan, was exhumed along with his wife at a Memphis burial ground um, site after a Black Lives Matter protest, and um, they transferred to a museum 200 miles away. They actually dug up that kid, that guy's body. A museum? Huh? Really? They took him to a museum? Yep. Really? Why? Hey. You said why? Yeah. See, the point is, that's what it is, right? So they want to honor them, but if they're, if you're going to have a Holocaust or a Confederate museum or whatever, fine. But it was wrong for them to parade them in places of honor. So they actually dug the body up. You don't get to have a monument for betraying the country. So General Nathan Bedford Forrest, in case you guys don't know who he is, he was notorious for a massacre of 300 black soldiers. And they moved him and his wife are being moved to the National Con- uh, Confederate Museum in Columbia, Tennessee. That mm. wasn't an honor moving him. They moved him because he doesn't deserve a monument. Mm. Now, I, um, I think they should have they they just burned him up and got rid of him. <laughs> right? They could have they mm-hmm. done something else, had a nice little bonfire on the 4th of July. Exactly. But, um, you know... You know, I know we go through white privilege stuff quite often, but the next series of stories, they're kind of white privilege in a way. But Girls Gone Wild founder George Francis was arrested and jailed for grabbing a woman by the neck and spitting in her face to give her COVID after he test positive. What? Joe Francis, the founder of Girls Gone Wild, he was arrested. Get this. In August, August 13th, after grabbing a woman by her neck, spitting in her face to give her COVID, and he was released on September 8th. He really still didn't do any time, and he tried to kill that woman. Like, in August, we really didn't know that much about COVID. And he had COVID, and he spit in some girl's face to give her COVID. Wow, wow, wow. Mm, Yeah. mm. Yeah, There's no good news in that story. Now, a naked woman... 43, she was pulled I, now I did this story a while ago she was pulled from a storm drain two months ago, remember that story of the naked woman mm-hmm. found in a storm drain okay, right. so now, this is in Florida, she was also, she was just found in a six foot drain pipe in Texas after wandering off from a rehab center so, Lindsay Kennedy 43 <laughs> was found in a six-foot drain pipe in Prairie, Texas, on Saturday night and was taken to a nearby hospital where she was placed on a psychiatric hold. She was found mm. naked again in a different drain pipe. I don't know what that means. Wow. But yeah. Really? Uh, Man, photos, she, 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 she yeah. looks like drain pipes, I guess. Or, or there's something cultural that we're missing. That's why I'm doing the story, because nobody else is reporting this, because we have another naked white woman story. A photo captured this woman at an Outback Steakhouse, naked, in Florida, uh, before police came in and shot her with a stun gun before taking her into custody. So Tina Kindred, who was 53, they said she was acting out of control. If she was black, that would use different words. 
she was acting out mm-hmm. of control. And um, um, the reports is what the local sheriff's office said, which led to um, um, a response from the police department, right? So she was seen on video, if you want to look it up, Tina Kindred. Uh, Kindred. Um, she's at an Outback Statehouse. She's taking, standing on the bar naked, throwing bottles onto the ground where the guy was yelling, you know, there's glass, that's a lot of glass, and she kept throwing it. Now, she also had an incident at this Mojo Grill at a different bar on the same day. So she's just Mm. traveling around naked, just tearing up people's bars. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is. Wow. uh, I know. Hey, I'm just saying. All right, so... You know, just even thinking about that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to stop with the craziness for a second. <laughs> we'll go to some regular news. <laughs> so I want because we didn't talk about this. The NFL is being slammed for systemic racism because yeah. um, it's harder for black players with CTE to receive compensation as their tests mm-hmm. are based on race norming, which assumes they have a lower cognitive function than whites. Right. So, I, I, when so, I saw it, I was like, what in the hell is wrong with the NFL? Wow. Yeah. Mm. This, now, this is not just the NFL's problem, because this is how our medical system works. Those same um, tests is how they determine when somebody is sick, like in, a, um, you know, when you go to a regular hospital. It's the same thing. Mm. So we need, to de- we need to deal with this and how... Um, racist this is in dealing with um, black people. Mm. You know, we, we really need to kind of see that our medical um, our medical agencies or medical systems put black people on a different track because they are basing the same thing off of the same thing that the NFL is basing that stuff off. You, oh, yeah, you have lower cognitive skills, so, you know, <laughs> we could treat you differently. You were mm. you were damaged anyway when you came in here, so we can't give you as much compensation. Yeah. <laughs> it goes wow. it goes to the point that the owners are acting like slave owners, and the players are just commodities that they just see as oh, we could just write them off because you're mm. stupid and bank, you know, for playing the sport anyway. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So fair. you know. I forgot this one also, or we didn't do this last week. You know, the Las Vegas Hustlers Club is transferred to a pop-up vaccine clinic clinic uh, with 100 dancers and loyal customers lining up for the Pfizer shot. So about 100 people uh, <laughs> stopped by the Hustlers Club because <laughs> they're looking at creative ways to give people shots. Wow. Oh, yeah, I, I have so much I could say but I'm not going to do that. Um, CVS <laughs> is offering Super Bowl tickets and vacations to the Bahamas and $5,000 in cash to anyone who gets the shot at their store. Really? So, hey, yeah, yeah. They said all who have been vaccinated at CVS locations are eligible um, to participate in that sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. Now, now, the, US, the, the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, has authorized the third monoclonal antibody drug to treat COVID-19. Now, it's um, Sostromab, um, I think is what it's called. It's developed by 
um, VIR um, Biotechnologies Incorporated, and GlaxoSmithKline, which is um, believed to be able to reduce COVID hospitalization and death up to 85%. There's a treatment that works just as good as the vaccines, is what the story is. So it joins monoclonal antibody drugs made by Eli Lilly and company and Regeneron Pharmaceutical, which has all been approved by the FDA to combat COVID-19. So if you get COVID, there are treatments for COVID, right? So according I know that to, Walsh, to be true. Uh, my, my ex, my, I know this to be true because my ex-sister-in-law had COVID. And uh, yeah. she said she went, she, was, she, was, she, was, she went to the hospital, she couldn't breathe. And they gave her this the, the monoclonal drip, and then yep. she said she walked out of there two, three hours later, man, feeling good. Yes. I'm like, what? Yep. She's like, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing I said as soon as it started. I'm like, you, if you can develop a vaccine, you should be able to develop a treatment. They should not. It should not be one or the other. You should be able to do a treatment just as fast as you can do a vaccine. Mm-hmm. So there's now three wow. options. And, and I heard they had this thing. In, I heard they had this. The, the, they had it in warehouses, man. So yeah. my my deal is why were why were they not administering this to different folks? I don't you understand know, that. The Biden administration um, bought like a hundred million doses of the monoclonal um, antibody drugs, and they're sitting on warehouses. And Biden said this months ago. He said. I don't know why the doctors are not telling people that they can get those drugs. They, he said, mm. you have you have, literally have to ask for it. This is why on this really? program, I always tell people to ask for it, right? So this new one by Eli, um, the new one by GlaxoSmithKline, that is, um, that is not free of charge for customers. But the other two are. Right. Mm. Um, and there's no existing contract for it to be purchased by the federal government. So this new GlaxoSmithKline is not free. But the current Eli Lilly drug and the Regeneron both have contracts with the government where their drugs are purchased in bulk and distributed for free to patients in hospitals. So hospital patients receive a new this new drug by Galaxo, uh, which is made in England. And... Um, you know, and VIR, which is a small um, American-based company, but that particular, yeah. this particular one, is um, it's a VR seventy-eight. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, seventy-eight, is what it's called. So it just asks for the galactosine treatment, or the Eli Eli Lilly treatment, or Regeneron treatment, because we don't know the names of these drugs, like we don't know the name of the Pfizer drugs, we just call it Pfizer by the company. We call the Johnson & Johnson, Johnson & Johnson, or the uh, AstraZeneca, whomever, right? We call them, or Moderna. Those are just the companies. So if you need treatment, ask for the Eli Lilly treatment for COVID. There's an Eli Lilly and a Regeneron. You know, GlaxoSmithKline, your insurance is going to have to cover or they're going to charge you. But the government has mm-hmm. already paid for the treatment. Really? Yeah. Now, um, you know, Amazon is forced to halt construction of its Connecticut distribution system center again after an eighth noose was found on the site in just a month. 
So the mm. previous pause uh, work on May 19th was discovered after the seventh noose was found. So they installed cameras to monitor doors and stairways after the seven, seventh noose was, noose was found. But um, they said that the construction site was too large and, and um, to be adequately covered with surveillance. I think they're lying. Really? But they said a $100,000 reward has been offered in information for the person or people who are leaving nooses around that site. This is in Connecticut. Wow. Like, so we always kind of think that the South is the more racist mm-hmm. country has a problem. Mm. Now, wow. Pep- PepsiCo is defending this rags and riches janitor who invented the flaming hot Cheetos. They said after he claimed, people kept saying that his claims was a lie and insisted, you know, he insisted that he did uh, play a part um, in it. And it's not just an urban legend. So PepsiCo came out and said, yes, Richard Mon- uh, Monterrey, 62, began working as a janitor at Frito-Lay, which is owned by Pepsi, back in 1966. And his claims to have pitched the iconic chip uh, while working to the uh, working um, it was true that he pitched flaming hot Cheetos to him, <laughs> and um, that's where they got it from. But just mm. like just like telling the history of um, of Memorial Day, white folks was like, did nobody white um, do that? <laughs> I mean, no, there had to be somebody <laughs> white who did flaming hot Cheetos. Like history is just kicking them in the butt, right? Really, man. Now. Um, you know, I like I love Lucy's I- idyllic portrayal of the 1950s America, made it the most watching watch show of its times with stu- with stars like Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, um, presumed to be this perfect couple on and off screen. But this new book, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, they were um, they weren't Lucy and Ricky Ricardo. It talks mm. about the that they had flings and open, uh, it was open secret during their marriage. Um, it talks about, Whoa. yes, it reveals how Ball posed naked in naked model shoots and turned tricks to make ends meet for what? years before, yes, before making it into the, the showbiz industry. And Ricky Ricardo, I'm, I'm sorry, Desi Arnaz had a quote saying that marriage is okay, but adultery is more fun. Is a quote that they have in the book. He said, just ask Lucy. Uh-huh. That kind of almost hurt my feelings, but I didn't really want to do that story. I was like, oh, God, Lord, not Lucy, not Lucy and Ricky. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Now, um, another Hollywood icon, Bill Cosby, has been denied parole after he refused to take part in a state-mandated rehabilitation program for sexual predators since doing so um, would be an admission of guilt. So Cosby was rejected for failing to convince the state parole, parole board of um, suitability uh, in a review um, conducted earlier this month. So he was up for consideration after serving three years in prison for his um, 2018 um, conviction. Now, Cosby is 83 years old, and he was sentenced wow. from 10 years. Um, and he said that he would rather live in prison and um, then take part in some sexual offender, violent predator rehabilitation program. Like, I agree mm. with Cosby, just like Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson wouldn't get out early on parole either. 
He told him, bite me. He said, I did not do that mm. to that woman. And he would not, he was not going to be under restraints. He said, when I'm free, I need to be free. And Mike Tyson did not leave early. Yeah, because he, you could tell Mike, Mike Tyson said, like, back when, he, when he did that, uh, the, uh, the, the, the show that he did, like, yeah, oh, he's yeah. like, that's a despicable woman. She's despicable. And I was yep. like, wow, you could tell he, he just did not like he still, that woman. He still maintains that. Yes. You know, and, so. and she is very convincing. I'm not going to say that she's not. Because she is very convincing. But I happen to agree with Mike. I did back then, and I do now. Like, yep. as much as people were throwing themselves at Mike Tyson and Bill Cosby as entertainers, you cannot, it's hard for me to believe that they went around forcing themselves on women. They really just did not have to. So the burden should be really high for somebody to say, hey, Mike Tyson did that. You can believe that because he's a boxer and it's a violent sport, and people wanted to believe that out of Mike. But Mike is like, that hurt, that hurt Mike even for that. You can tell it hurt him to his core. Because yeah, yeah. you said I didn't do nothing to her. That woman's a despicable. I was like, wow. And he, he, you could tell it hurt him. And you could, you could tell when somebody's lying. And he, that hurt him to his core, man. That hurt yeah. him. You know, I, I always bring up the story of Derek Coleman. I'm not friends with Derek Coleman. I, I knew him and kind of in passing. And what, at some point, when Derek Coleman was, I think he was a freshman, freshman or sophomore, Derek Coleman said to me, you know people act like we can't see what these women are doing. So he and I were, was out. I don't know how old he was as a sophomore, but we were actually in a bar. And um, Derek Coleman, this girl comes up, like, drunk to Derek Coleman. And Derek Coleman yelled at He was like, get away from me. And he turned to me. He said, that's going to get somebody caught out. So when he went to the Philadelphia 76ers, um, some woman said that he groped her in the elevator. And Derek sued her. And Derek won like a couple hundred grand and he would not let her off the hook they wanted him to drop the charges we know she lied he said no Derek was committed from day one that if you come at me with that I am suing your ass and you're going to jail Derek Coleman he's good because if you pay one you're going to have to keep paying him man well it goes to all of these stories right it goes to the Bill Cosby story it goes to Mike Tyson story it's even going, you know, I, I didn't do this one yet, but Martin Brashear, who um, he, he, he defiantly insisted that this girl, um, get Dana um, Panorama interview was what she wanted. Like, so Diana, the Princess Diana did an interview with him that he lied and he forged mm-hmm. some documents to get her, get an interview, right? And so Bashir um, said that, um, you know, it, first of all, he used, it was this, this deceitful behavior. And um, he said that Diana was never happy about the content of the interview, but Martin Bashir said, oh, um, he's sorry. That woman died mm-hmm. in depression because of forged documents that he be- she believed that people were manipulating her. But he forged the yeah. document. So Martin Bashir is also the one who did the famous Michael Jackson interview, right? Yeah. And Michael Jackson's mm-hmm. fans are calling for them to investigate that 2003 documentary, Living with Michael Jackson, because 
of this Lord Dyson report, damning report about um, Martin Bashir lying about Princess Diana. So the, the Jackson family threatened to sue Martin Bashir over his interview um, after those fake documents were revealed. So Michael Jackson's nephew, Ty, accused Bashir of using manipulative footage during that interview um, that Bashir was granted unprecedented access to his home and he still manipulated to paint a picture of Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson was smart, though. What he did was he had his own cameras there filming while they were filming. So when they manipulated that footage to make Michael Jackson look suspect, Michael Jackson released the actual footage that shows that they manipulated it. And he still worked at MSNBC after all of that stuff. Remember, he had a show. Mm-hmm. For sure, yep. I remember it, yep. yep. So people get benefits from lying on on uh, on entertainers, um, or not at entertainers, but just black folks, because it feeds a narrative. It's easy to believe hmm. that black people are, you know, drug addicts or whatever, because that's the picture that's usually painted through media. It's what mm-hmm. oppression is doing to, for the rest of us. All right, now I I forgot this. Well, I didn't forget the story because I wanted to do this since we have uh, 10 minutes. I'll do this one. You know, attorney F. Lee Bailey died. And F. Lee hmm. Bailey is supposed to be the person who they um, kind of based um, Ironside after. Because, you know, F. Lee Bailey went for years without losing a case. Like, he just really? did not lose. Yeah, and, you know, he, he became famous for defending, like, O.J. Simpson and Patty Hearst. And, um, but they said he died of natural causes on um, June 3rd. He was 90, or sorry, he was 87 years old. Um, oh. Yeah, and and he, you know, really became famous. Although, what is that nuts name who who likes Trump now? He was on OJ's um, defense team. They volunteered, by the way. Um, he's a professor someplace. You know the crazy guy who's defending um, Trump? He's an attorney. Oh, um, yeah, he was I know what you're talking team. about. Uh, I can't remember. His I can't name. remember that cat's name. Join the club. I know you're talking yeah. about. Well, and, and as well, we talking about his name. That's gonna bother me now. He, he, he's I know a Jewish guy who complained yeah. that. Um, what is his? Uh, what is his name? Ah, uh, I can't even remember now. It, it'll probably hit me, but. Um, just to give you some this round picture of F. Lee Bailey for me, um, evidence of O.J. Simpson's in- innocence was held back in a 1995 trial, which he was acquitted in murder of his ex-wife and her friend in Los Angeles, according to um, F. Lee Bailey. So he had a twenty thousand uh, dollar, sorry, sorry, a twenty thousand word document entitled um, the Simpson verdict. Yeah, Ashley. Oh, what's his name? Alan Dershowitz. Yes, that nut. So, um, Ashley Bailey revealed that four people could have um, bolstered Simpson's case but never testified. Mind you, O.J. Simpson was acquitted of murder, and people treat him like Mm -hmm. he killed that woman. Still till the day, and people Mm -hmm. say, use O.J. as the butt of a joke for killing somebody. Like, people used Cosby as a joke for raping somebody. He did not rape her. And she said that. She said that she was drugged 
because he gave her quaaludes, but she voluntarily had sex with him. There's a differentiation, right? Like, she was already in a relationship with him. So people mm-hmm. make it look like Cosby's a predator, like they make it look like O.J. is a killer, right? So in the Simpson verdict, F. Lee Bailey said that in 1995, defense team was prepared to call four people who never testified, a forensic scientist, an expert on battered women, a blood expert, and a person who possibly, whose possible testimony, he said, was the most important of all four. Now, a man might have seen the killers, is what F. Lee Bailey said. He said that that witness saw the woman, um, saw a woman that night, the night of the murders, matching the cold sentence description and apparent confrontation with two men, neither of them who was O.J. Simpson. And upon hearing the murders the next day, F. Lee Bailey said the witness recalled what he saw and taped the recording and wrote the detailed description and sketched, sketched his observation. But the defense team decided not to call any witnesses to the stand out of fear that additional um, jurors would be um, dismissed and a mistrial would be declared because it was an eight-month trial. And they, didn't, mm. they needed to come to an end sooner because if they dragged it out, that something may happen that they may, you know, one of the jurors may get restless and want to make a phone call and it might get dismissed. So they mm. chose not to bring this guy up there. But he had a sketch, he detailed it, he recorded it on videotape, and he wrote a detailed description. So, Ethelie hmm. Beatty said the real killers are out to, were out to collect a drug debt and killed Nicole and um, Goldman after mistaking them for their targets, is what Ethelie hmm. Bailey said. But Ethelie Bailey just passed away. And um, like I said, we, we don't like to correct history, and, um, but I no, think that's some sure. need to do that. What'd you say? Hmm. That's for sure. We don't like like. We don't like to collect correct history at all. No. Right. Mm-mm. We like to let stuff ride, and we go through show after show repeating the same lie. And that's why I said earlier about people saying Trump had 74 million votes. Trump lost by at least about 6 million, 7 million votes. Nearly 8 yeah, million votes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, to say that almost sounds like he got robbed. And I can guarantee you that all of those people were not Trump loyalists. Republicans normally vote Republican. So since he was a Republican, they probably said, I'm not voting for the Democrat. And a lot of people did not like Hillary either. So, you know, again, she won by 3 million votes more than Trump. Here's what Uh, I don't understand, man. Uh, Even if uh, if you're a Republican, are you still voting for Republicans even if it's not for Trump? Because these, these cats are destroying our democracy. Yeah, you would I don't think get that, how you vote for that. Yeah, you would the think that that would have run aground by now. Yeah. yeah. And they, have, they, don't, they don't even have a platform to go on. And people are still voting for them because they're talking about Mr. Potato Head. Oh, they're trying to destroy Mr. Potato Head. Dude, what, what, what are you going to do for the country? Are you going to do something for infrastructure? Are you going to stop the cyber attacks? What are you doing for the country besides talking about Mr. Damn Potato Head? Yeah. I don't yeah. get it. I, yeah, I don't know where that stuff comes from. Like, what is in their psyche that makes them kind of ignore this? But, you know, here, here's a story. There, there's 
and this is going to be a sick story, so I'm glad we're at the end of the program and there's no um, women on right now. I know you're listening. Hey, Mariana. I don't mean to shout her out before I do this disgusting story, but hey, girl. <laughs> so, um, you know, there was a leaked porn lecture that was given at Barron Trump School. Now, it cost $47,000 a year to go to the school, right? So mm-hmm. the, um, they revealed how these 16- and 7-year-old students were taught about electro porn. Now, I knew nothing about this, but they leaked audio from a lecture from juniors from this Columbia Grammar and Prep School, and they revealed that um, something about electrocuting people is porn. Huh? And it was a mandatory lecture at that school. Oh, my God. Isn't that Like, that is so far How is electrocuting somebody porn? It is a... I don't it, get it was, that. It was a porn lecture about electro porn. I don't mean to introduce this into everybody's psyche, but apparently your elite, uh, your your class elite white folks are actually getting um, some kind of lecture on electro porn, and it was mandatory. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mm. I don't, really don't know what to say about that, but it is weird. Me Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let me move on to another sexual story. So surrogate sex therapy <laughs> is a controversial topic, but in Israel, it's becoming a vital tool to help rehabil- rehabilitation. So there are, like, people who have, like, injuries or um, traffic accidents and stuff like that. They have sexual sex surrogates now. Oh, I'm sorry that there's only a minute left. I'm going to have to save this story, but they said that you pay $15,000 to go to this clinic to have sex therapy. It sounds like okay. the problem, but yeah, I was going to say, hey, you get asked about shout out, shout out, going prices in Nevada, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I'm sure it's a little cheaper someplace else, but whatever your therapy, yeah. wherever you need to have your therapy, just make it hot. That's all I'm going to say. Wow, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going, I'm going to end on that one because that's a little bit longer story. I'll do that again next week. <laughs> we gonna talk about this one. Okay. <laughs> All right, All right bro. We'll, we'll hey. see you next week, dear brother. <laughs> All right. See, see you next week. All right. All right.